Oh, hello. Who was this episode brought to you with the support of? Why, it's only our bloody backers over at patreon.com forward slash cinemaswirl. At the time of me saying this to you, there are 15 episodes of our bonus exclusive monthly show, Cinema Swill, where Kevin and I review some really terrible movies. Recently, we covered Nicolas Cage's Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance, and oh boy, was it a wild ride. Kevin and I have also been sitting down and having a right laugh answering some of our patrons' questions, and we've been releasing them as kind of bonus mailbag episodes. If you want to see what's available, how to sign up, all those kinds of things, then head on over to patreon.com forward slash cinemaswell. It's the best way to support your OTPs. Right, shall we get swirling then? Swirl! Ara, take that shite back to Ballymun. It's episode number 61. Hello, everyone, again. It's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin, saddling up through the desert that is Hollywood, California, with my OTP, Sam Chaplin, as we traipse through the prickly boneyard of all the cactuses that are full of the nourishing liquids of Hollywood film magic. Hello. I, oh, so I thought the bones were prickly themselves, and that we that we were stumbling upon a boneyard of like particularly sharp people who had like D- there are bones and there are cacti in, right, in okay, this yeah, yeah. in this in this place like yeah. i think i was trying to show that there's all sorts isn't there in hollywood sure bone eye and cacti <laughs> You said bones then. I didn't want to correct you, but sorry, it, it sorry. is a bit embarrassing. That we we, we, we want to get the nomenclature right. Yeah. Sam, how are you doing? Are you excited to watch another film that you have not seen? I'm always excited to watch another film that I haven't seen. And on this edition of Cinema Swell, we're, we're going for the works of Mr. Eddie Murphy. The works. Oh, man. The works of Eddie Murphy. Yeah. This is, like, probably, I think, when we were growing up, was one of the most undisputed names in Hollywood, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Eddie Murphy was, like, I, I want to say he eclipsed even Jim Carrey, it felt, in, in early childhood. The crown was maybe taken, but... Uh, so we're, we're different ages, but we were, we were children in the 1990s and yes. early 2000s. And I think... If you were in that position, it was very hard to get away from Eddie Murphy. (laughs) That sounds weird. (laughs) But but his presence loomed large, I think, as a a, a family entertainer, I felt. That he was was in kids' films a lot of the time. Oh, yeah. And he was also in kids' films, and then he was obviously in a lot of family movies, and he was also in a lot of, like, comedies that were beloved by mom and dad and, you know, then kind of were passed down and whatnot. Because, I mean, Eddie Murphy was just one of those names that I feel that whether or not you liked him had very little to do with the fact that you were going to see a lot of him during that time period. Yeah, yeah. There there was a lot of him. I, I remember him invariably playing all the characters a bunch of times in films I think that was one of his main strengths was that he had so much range he would play everyone is the Nutty Professor the gimmick of that that he's in all in all he's everyone in all of it? In Nutty Professor, he mm. plays a load of side characters, but in the Nutty Professor Two, the clumps. Okay, he, he is all, all of all of the, those characters get a much bigger clumps. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, it becomes a clump club, and we get a much bigger ensemble cast of Eddie Murphy's. But Eddie Murphy plays both the protagonist and the antagonist in that movie, which okay. did find itself on that list and not coming to America. And I should just say, mm. you know, this does happen 
now and then, but there are some movies that I've not seen, and Coming to America is one of them. So that's why that's not on there, even though it's an obviously a better movie than Nutty Professor or Nutty Professor 2, Clumps the in clumps. the House. Yeah, yeah well, there, was, there was a little bit of, not backlash, not outrage, but... Um, a, little, a little bit of clumplash, though. A wild <laughs> bit of clumplash. We, we all get a bit of that from time to time. It, it's hard to maintain things down there. There was a little bit of confusion and concern that we hadn't put Coming to America in the list, but that's just because Kevin hasn't seen it. And sometimes... Yeah. You haven't seen all films ever. No, I never yeah. I never portrayed as such. Well, you, you did a few times. At the start of this year, like, I've seen all of the films, and Sam's seen none of the films. No, I've seen some films sometimes. That was the old intro, though, wasn't it? It would say, Hi, I'm Kevin Van, and I'm yeah. Sam Chapman. I've seen all of the films, and I haven't seen any films. <laughs> yeah. <And> welcome <laughs> to Cinema Store. It had a great flow, I felt that, you know? Yeah, that was the, the classic intro for Cinema Swell. But, right, so Eddie Murphy, family entertainer, is the vibe that I got from him in my childhood. Yeah. I mean, uh, Shrek is a, like a you know big deal for me as a child, and he was Donkey and Shrek, and we all loved Shrek, right? And he was also the sassy dragon in Mulan as well, if memory serves. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I think Eddie Murphy, like, he did find himself voicing a lot of things as well. He was just, like, an omnipresence at points. Yes, but later on in my life, I kind of, dis- what I say discovered, I didn't really pay attention to his earlier work in terms of stand-up comedy. You considered to be one of the greats, Sam. Many, yeah. many had asked if either you or I had seen Raw, Eddie Murphy's original stand-up movie, which people were wondering about. Well, in all, all of those sort of Channel 5 list things of the greatest stand-ups of all time <laughs> that runs till about 1am and it takes fucking ages. And we've watched ages. those for sure. We have watched those. We, we were both stand-up comedians and we were interested in the world of comedy and stand-up and Eddie Murphy, again, looms pretty large in that world. However, the, I mean, the, the suit, the outfit that he wore. Oh, yeah. Iconic. And... When you started saying I and you put the emphasis on I there, I was going to yeah. say, I own one of those. I, I, I've got one. <laughs> and know, I'm wearing I, it right We now. stopped doing stand-up when our leather suits <laughs> tarnished and perished uh, because of exposure. Yeah. You know, that is the image that stays in my mind. The material itself... Wait, the leather or the actual jokes? <laughs> okay, the, the leather material is fine. No, he doesn't do any material about leather as a material. The jokes that he tells... Mm-hmm. I'm sure still have some appeal to some people these days. However, I think some of it has aged particularly poorly is the Absolutely. sense that I get. Absolutely. I've not watched Raw, but I, I knew mm. people who were big fans of it. Yes, and so let's just I. say those people in 2010 was kind of like, a, oh, you wouldn't really want to watch that. And that's fucking 2010. Yeah. Which, according to recent polls, is 100,000 years ago. It's a long time ago. And yeah, when we hung around with comedians, some people would really put that on a, on a big pedestal. And I'm again, I'm sure it's an important thing, but some of the lines that I would hear repeated to me i i can't i i just can't I, you know i i think there's like you know an obvious aged poor quality with i would say any i mean you can look back from any kind of stand-up comedian whose thing was hashtag controversy oh, and sure. in the yeah, 80s yeah. and 90s and it's always gonna age really really badly i'm sure there's like loads of comedians you could go back and like you know look at his contemporaries and i couldn't imagine that he's like sticking out particularly badly considering his compatriots included the likes of like andrew dice clay and stuff <laughs> you know but what i will say is that in my mind in my experience the two worlds of eddie murphy that i've experienced or have knowledge of are family film entertainer funny larger than life personality big budget family films 
and kind of controversial, really out there stand-up comedian doing some, I guess maybe at the time, brave material, maybe now poorly aged material, but I haven't seen anything of the in-between stage or even his movie career before he became Family Entertainer Man. So you just know the two halves as being like, one is like stand-up comedy on a razor's edge, essentially, yeah, and the yeah, other yeah. one is like within the pillowy bosom of, you know, rated PG entertainment. And I, I get the sense from a narrative point of view in terms of someone's life, there must be something in between <laughs> those two places, right? He's an odd fellow. And I, I, I mean, that's like the most broad definition of it I, I could give. He's someone who I've heard loads of like, random little tidbits of you know from from the attitude podcast which is a show yeah. i do where i look at it wrestling from the 90s his name would come up a few times when they wanted to say something like a little bit edgy on commentary no, mate, because you've been looking up the wrong raw there that was wwe <laughs> raw that's on telly so like with with him his name would come up because i think much like hugh grant and a few contemporaries his was the name that like ah uh, yeah w- came up in the tabloids and the scandals like i know he was cut with like a trans sex worker at some point that like in the 90s was a huge big scandal and all that but the thing about me with Eddie Murphy mm. is like I, I'm aware of those two parts that you are and I've seen a lot of Eddie Murphy's stuff and you know obviously his stuff that kind of came after his stand-up would have been you know things like SNL and things like that which right. is maybe slightly broader and some of the movies he made in, in SNL I think certainly had a you know, very broad appeal and very like well remembered mm. but the Eddie Murphy that always strikes me these days is this kind of weird, sad kind of Eddie Murphy who like disappeared from the limelight for like five or six years. And I know he's back now and doing stuff on Netflix and things like that. You know, yeah. he did a Dolomite movie, which is meant to be really, really good. Okay. But the main thing I think about Eddie Murphy is, do, and I think this is something you'd be really interested in. Mm. Do you remember when they brought him back to host Saturday Night Live? Like, it was a couple of years ago and they brought nah. him back and it was like, Eddie's going to do Saturday Night Live. Can you believe it? Because he's not done it literally since, you know, way back in the yeah, 80s yeah. when he first left and he never talked about it. And they brought him on and, you know, when you do Saturday Night Live, you expect the host to do a monologue. He does mm-hmm. some jokes. He does a few skits. Eddie decides at the last minute he's not going to do any of the skits and he comes out at the start of the Saturday Night Live. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome the legend, Eddie Murphy. Ah! And he, yeah. he comes out and he goes, wow, man, unbelievable. Whew. You know, Saturday Night Live was so important for my career, and I want to thank everyone, all the guys in the back, Lauren, everyone. You just, wow, it's unbelievable what we accomplished here. And, you know, wow, guys, thanks for coming out. And that was it. And that was his return. And he's uh, like, that's that's the Eddie Murphy in my head. This okay. weird guy, kind of like how John Travolta, I view him as well now, that he's yeah. somehow in this, like, prison of his own making of Hollywood rumor and, like, scandal. And he's trapped in something, and I don't know what it is. But he's definitely trapped somehow. Yeah. Yeah. And he's definitely been hurt by fame, I think. And he, we, we haven't really touched on the fact that he's a talented guy and oh, he's yeah. funny. Oh, yeah. Don't get me wrong. He is crazy talented. Because I know energy. I've been like, he, he did the clumps and he did some stand up that's a bit a- awkward now. But he's also a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But no, I mean, he's got, he's got he's got the energy, right? I mean, on those stand-up lists, he was near the top, you know. It, he must be doing something right. And, you know, those family films, I mean, Shrek, Donkey from Shrek, me, means a lot to a little Sam Chaplin. So it's so you put a smile on your face as a child. Exactly, yeah. But I, I'm curious about this zone, this younger Eddie Murphy, before he became family entertainer, but maybe after or at the same time as he was controversial firebrand yeah. comedian what was he up to and i feel like the winning film which is beverly hills cop might 
be in that place. Oh, it is absolutely. This is okay. this is Hollywood saying, "Hey, everyone, Eddie Murphy's open for business. He's like the next big star. You know, get get used to this kisser. You know, because he he absolutely took the whole entertainment world by storm. I think with this movie. Okay. And Beverly Hills Cop is something. It's a movie that has got many sequels, and I mm. kind of feel that sometimes it does get lost a little bit in the shuffle of people just lump it in with like kind of action movies like Lethal Weapon and you know the types of things that last action hero we're making fun of but very much has its own style and very much is a vehicle for eddie murphy and i think he comes across like i think you'll understand why he was atop the mountain of hollywood for so long after seeing this movie i don't know much about what happens in this other than i believe eddie murphy is a cop yeah and right the the setting any clues or (laughs) it's in the beverly hills zone from uh from sonic (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and you, do you know the music though? There's an iconic music from uh, from Beverly Hills Cop. No, Beverly Hills. That's, that's where, where I want yeah. to please. Hey, <laughs> be in a Beverly, please. What? 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 Oh, and I, I like that because I mean, obviously, this is this movie, Beverly Hills Cop, is mm. is you know, like I said, it's the pinnacle of the mountain for Eddie, Eddie Murphy, and I can obviously as well with Weezer. This was them basically saying, guys, Weezer's open for business. Beverly Hills probably I'd say the number one single from Weezer of all time probably I mean if you ask most like proper critics that's what they tell you I mean commercially yeah Um, (laughs) really yeah 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 Beverly Hills I thought the one with the Muppets would have done better than that no no Beverly Hills is like Weezer's biggest single in terms of commercial performance I believe and I mean maybe Buddy Holly but it, it was really up there. It was a smash hit. I didn't realise yeah, that. Yeah, it was a I, hit. I hope to listen to it someday, but I've only ever heard 20 seconds of it. Then my brother goes, and changed into <laughs> Kerrang instead. So, you know, I imagine it's fun. Was he flicking over from MTV2 over to uh, Kerrang? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, okay, I, yeah. I, I know the 453454462 split. Yes. I know that dance. This is a sidebar. But Clearly, on, 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 on that note, Switching between MTV2 and Kerrang, which is what I used to do. And sometimes Scuzz. Did you have Scuzz? Oh, yeah, I had Scuzz, but Scuzz. I mean, Scuzz was kind of like, that's the Hail Mary pass if you're passing to Scuzz. Now, that was how it was for me, you know? November Rain by Guns N' Roses. I'm not a fan. All right, and that song lasts a long time. So when that would come on one of those channels, I'd switch to the other one. But there were multiple instances where I switched over from November Rain on MTV2 to November Rain on Kerrang! And I was always devastated. So I just wanted to get that out there. Sorry, Guns N' Roses fans. I'm sure it's a good song to you. I mean, they've been on their their high horse for a long time. They need to be taken down a peg or two as far as I'm concerned. N- now Axel's back. What have they got to worry about? Or Slash is back. <laughs> I can't remember which one is back. They're back. Um, but, right, Beverly Hills Cop. I don't know what happens. Wait, you don't know the actual music, though? No. And th- now, is the... <gasps> wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I have one thing that I think I might know, but I'm, I might be embarrassing myself and it might be something else. Okay. Does this have funny sound effects in it? Funny sound effects? Yeah. Does it have, like, a guy who does funny sound effects? Sam, you're not mixing up fucking Police Academy with Beverly Hills Cop. I think I... I th- <laughs> For fuck's sake, Sam! I think I ha- These are not the same thing, No, they? they're no, not. No, no. No. But there's and lots I, of sequels of this. But they would have followed the same trajectory. If they got to Beverly Hills Cop 7, he would have had a mission to Moscow, for sure. That okay. would have happened. So this isn't the funny sound effects one? No, it's not no. the funny okay. sound okay. effects one. In that case, I don't know anything about the music from this <laughs> now that you've said police academy i'm like of course it's police academy but they were in my mind it all got mixed up 
So, yeah, a bit of right. a model there, Sam. A bit of a model. A bit of a model. So this isn't the funny sound effect one. So no. I, he's a cop. He's in Beverly Hills. I don't know beyond that. That's it. That's it. Is Eddie Murphy. And this one is a matter of interest because you're a few years younger than me. So I kind yeah. of feel like I, I only caught this kind of this. This is, I would say, at the you know outer limits of the natural reach of, of the zeitgeist for this movie. Right. When I saw this originally. So I don't know. Is this something your brother or your your, your pop or or any any friends or folks who have been watching? Because this all quiet on the Western Front in terms of Beverly Hills Cop once I went to university, really. I yeah, felt. I've not really heard much about it, but I know you know, in my later years, that it's an important film. And okay. obviously, I mean, even just from The Vote, uh, you know, it did very well in terms of people picking it, and it's an iconic Eddie Murphy film, from what I can tell. Uh, uh, what type of a movie are you expecting? Are you expecting straight-out laughs? Because we got EM, electronic music, Eddie Murphy, in, in the in, in pole position here. You expecting this just to be, you know, lots of laughs, smiles and good times? I assumed it was a comedy. Okay. it might. I mean, it could not be, but I mean, why would you get Eddie Murphy in if you're not prepared for some laughs. It could what, be like an action comedy. What what level of comedy now are we thinking? Are we are we thinking like bit bit of blue? Are we thinking a bit of blue with Eddie Murphy given this is, you know, an early film and he had edgy material generally speaking in his uh in his action whatnot? Or do you think this is gonna be more mainstream, cuddly SNL, palatable Eddie Murphy? I don't know. I don't think this is gonna be cuddly necessarily. So maybe a bit of blue. Maybe a bit, a bit of blue. red, or that's just the police lights, <laughs> am I right? Hey! I'm not sure, really, about what the level is for this in terms of the comedy, or where it's pitched. But it, it, this feels like more of an adult film mm-hmm. than... This is not like a family feature, I don't think. Yeah, I definitely would say the sequels take more of a... If I recall correctly, it's been yeah. so long since I've seen this. Like, honestly, I don't think I've seen this since I was a teenager. Okay, But I recall that the sequels do take a more comedic or mainstream approach in this right. one this has got more teeth to it this movie if i recall well we've got a little bit of a, a handle on beverly hills cop it's where we want to be but where i want to be right now is right up in that mail sack bag Hello, welcome to the mail sack bag. This first question comes at um, both of these questions, and there's only two, and I, I shall tell you for why later. Come into cinemaswirl at gmail.com. At cinema squirrel. I think oh, I said no, cinema squirrel wrong. I accidentally <laughs> said cinema squirrel, and they've been getting a lot of our emails recently. That's the mailbag's just full of nuts, isn't it? <laughs> All these cinema squirrels have been putting nuts in there. Well, okay, if these questions, if we don't get through them all, can we bury them? Later for, for, for winter, yeah, 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 okay? That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Cinemaswirl at gmail.com. This first one comes in from Michael, who says, On the last episode, there was a discussion about physical media packaging, and I just wanted to chime in with what I think about packaging and how lucky you guys are. Oh, this this, this touched quite a nerve with the fan base, yeah, didn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, people got involved. Um, I'm an avid Laserdisc collector, and one of the reasons I love them is because of the LP or record-like packaging. It's thin, it's easy to store, and has really great artwork. With Laserdisc dying in the early 2000s, I thought this packaging style for movies was gone and and done forever. But it's back, and only really available in the UK at Tesco's. It's called Big Sleeve, and it's fantastic. You get the DVD, the Blu-ray, and a bunch of artwork in a nice, thin, LP-sized cardboard package. Uh, Disney's done a bunch of them. There's Marvel movies, there's Back to the Future. Uh, Unfortunately, Michael lives in the States and has to buy from importers. Well, I assume you guys, that's us, can just go to our local Tesco and pick them up. 
What do you guys think of this kind of packaging? What movie would you like to see give the big sleeve treatment? I remember back when I lived in Glasgow, there was mm. a great little charity shop that had that just did records and movies mm. and stuff and had a really dedicated staff in there. And now and then they'd bust out an odd like laser disc. I saw yeah. they had like you know Blade Runner or whatever there once. And I just remember thinking, that looks awesome. I'd love to have it on me wall. Mm. My issue, I think, is is that I've got a record collection. Yeah. I've got a few Same. DVDs. I don't know where I put if I was to start collecting stuff in that big sleeve format. Like, yeah. What I would be, Sam, is if there was someone in my life who I knew loved one of those movies, I get it for them and I get them a frame as well so, so they, they could watch the, it yeah. and then they could frame it. You You'd know? want a film with a good uh, artwork, good poster art. Yeah, and I, yeah. I get that because... I've got a couple, I'm looking at my wall right now and there's actually one or two pieces of art in inverted commas where I've just jettisoned the packaging for an LP that I quite liked. Mm. So, you know, uh, I've got nude sleeves here as a result of that. So I think that there's a happy middle ground. I think I'd be just as keen to get like an LP-shaped piece of artwork than I would be to actually buy it in that LP-shaped box. Yeah, and I mean, something I... <laughs> I feel about this is that it being exclusive to Tesco is quite funny to me. Yeah. And that, you know, like we have our little record collections and it's nice to go to the record store and buy some records. We've been to record stores together and we found something and, the, you know, the, the cover of the LP is, you know, great and the content's great. And like, oh, I've got this. This is great. And I don't feel like you can get that same experience at Tesco in the DVD aisle. I don't know. No, but... I mean, I've had that experience in Morrison's in the clearance aisle now, sure. though. Yeah, That's yeah. a different... <laughs> different kettle of fish so to speak yeah. and not just when the kettles of fish should be reduced <laughs> at around five on a thursday you know but I, I like the idea and i like the idea of doing something different with physical media packaging i think you kind of have to now and this oh, yeah. this may be smacks of how can we get people to keep buying blu-rays because what appeal have they got now really with all this streaming nonsense and maybe appealing to the you know record nerds with the big artwork and the big packaging you know people like Mike Michael I don't want to say Michael's a record nerd but that love of you know laser discs and that it's the artwork that we like isn't it it's not yeah. the actual content on the disc the disc is irrelevant I really feel like some records really got a hold of this when I remember a few years ago when I started getting records and the standard was that you get a download code mm. or on a few occasions I got a cool little USB that had oh, the nice. actual the album and the artwork yeah. and a few extra bonus bits and bobs in there and I like that and I think that should kind of be the standard going forward one download code I got in an in a LP had little seeds in the cardboard and you could plant the download code in a little pot and it would grow seeds from it it would it had, wow. it had flower seeds in the cardboard and I thought oh, that's lovely isn't it that's and really could nice. you download the pot <laughs> then or <laughs> And you put if, your ear up to the flower. If I had you could Bluetooth enabled near a bee at the time, could it transfer it? I don't know about Bluetooth, but I had green fingers from that experience, I'll tell you, mate, because... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, we, we talked in you know, the episode about that, that you know there's people who, who love their steelbook and all that, yeah, yeah. and I kind of think yeah. maybe it'll come to a point where we'll separate those who want to have collections into steelbooks LPs and regular shapes and you'll buy those and they'll all come with codes that you can then just add them to whatever media library but that would need to be some sort of hypothetical media library that we all use and no one's managed yeah. that yet we all use random different things and different streaming services I feel it's ultimately at odds with the whole concept of how we consume media now sorry packaging friends but it'd be nice to have your favourite film on a big square cardboard wouldn't it 
That's oh, where you yeah. can just print that off down at the local shop. <laughs> Why do they sound like you're putting them in fanny packs? Or some commemorative fanny packs yeah. instead? I'd like that. A Blade Runner fanny pack with just a jumble of a few USBs inside that has all the different versions. That'd be nice. I, I would love that too. So thank you for your question, Michael. Our next question. Now, I've been doing uh, first names just exclusively for the, the names of people coming in for a little while now. Just that, mm. Just a stylistic choice. Mm. But this one... Comes in from Doug Bond, who said, "Yeah, who says?" Yeah, we get there. Don't worry. Um, <laughs> Doug emailed in with a lot of recommendations for a James Bond swirl and swell, which was very, very good. But I don't have good. time to go through those now. We will. We'll be doing that soon enough. Yeah, yeah. I think. Thank you for those recommendations, Doug. But Doug says, as mentioned, my last name is Bond, which is both good and bad. Some people warm to me because of this, but others make poor jokes, as in, ah, Mr. Bond, I've been expecting you. Or do you have a brother or uncle called James? Dot, 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 I don't. Do you two, brackets, or anyone you know, ever become the subject of unfunny jokes due to your last name? Doug says he once knew a David Brent, whose life legitimately oh. became more difficult after the UK office first aired. Thanks for the hours of entertainment, love the podcast, all that L- lovely stuff from, from Doug there. Thank you, Doug. Now, my surname, Kevin, is Chaplin, which uh, there is a famous man with with that surname in yeah, history. Yeah, but in fairness, Sam, it, yeah. what do they do? Do they come up and do an aggressive impression of a silent film actor? They make, oi, Chaplin. They do the little potato thing. No, it's got oi, Chaplin, then there'd be a prolonged silence. <laughs> yeah, you're not going to say anything, you silent movie twat, yeah? No, it, it, it's not been that bad for me. The only thing I've ever had is like, oh, uh, any relation? And... I had that enough that I just started saying yes. I mean, is there? I'm actually, I'm intrigued to know, is there any, have you ever actually looked into it if there's any sort of, because it's, it's a unique enough surname that surely, I mean, God, there's enough inbreeding in England to be going around now, Sam. <laughs> Awful amount of it now. Th- there isn't, unfortunately. To, to, uh, to be real with you, because I, I respect you a, a great deal, there is no relation. But I would have fun trying to pretend that there was. And, you know, because Una Chaplin was in Game of Thrones, and yeah. she is related to Charlie Chaplin. I think she's related to you. <laughs> no, but if I then said, uh, and you know, Una, my cousin, was in Game of Thrones, and she's, you know, her great grandfather was Charlie, and all that, kind of, it would be a bit of fun for me to try and do that. Or if people said any relation, I would say yes to Tom Chaplin of the band Keen. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, what you described there with the, the relation to Charlie mm. Chapman, that just felt like you had to like go long-term with this. Like, if, if yeah, she yeah. has a kid who gets into acting, you're related to them as well. Like, mm-hmm. the web, the web strands the web go lies. even further. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, that sounds awful, awful difficult indeed. I mean... Are there any famous mans? <laughs> I mean, many? my issues all relate to people not being able to pronounce my yeah. name. Like, I, I am coming up on 10 years of not hearing my name being pronounced correctly. I try like, my best. Ever. I know you do. Mm. And I've, I've you trained quite well, you know, in fairness. And you were probably one of, you and Billy Keeble were probably the first. Yeah. Uh, to, but, to, to nearly get it. <laughs> to nearly get it. Yeah. But I can't help but notice, much like with the mailbag, most people I know just tend to try, like, avoid saying my <laughs> surname. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a stylistic choice, though, isn't yeah. it? So, I mean, I remember when I was in Scotland, people used to call me Muckman, but I didn't hang out with anyone who watched wrestling at the time, so it, okay. it didn't feel there was any potential for that. I don't feel as much worry for someone who's called, like, David Brent, because, honestly, you've got enough latitude with Dave, that or Davey, Dave or Brent, Davey, Davey Boy. Brent. 
you know? Yeah. yeah. I feel there's wiggle room there. But Bond, you know, I, I, I feel for you there, Doug, because Bond is a very declarative. And also, mm. fuck the parents who decided to go for a single syllable first name. That's not on, Yeah, right? yeah, actually, yeah. Because then you know, you've got Bond, Doug Bond, yeah. And, you know, a- any time, like, I see a movie or TV show where they have parents who are about to name someone and they're like, oh, don't call them that because then the kids will go blah, blah and make mm. some silly rhyme. And they're, and it's, it's always pitches like, look at these silly parents worrying about silly things. No, you think about that. You yeah, think long and will. fucking hard. If, yeah, if kids get an opportunity, they will go for it. There was a Will Smith at my school. There was definitely a Will Smith. But I mean, that, oh, I think that's pretty of common. There's loads of Will Smith. I mean, I'll tell you what, one of my good friends in for, for many years was called Jamie Foxx. But, right. you know, unlike actual Jamie Foxx, he had one ex in his surname and it was a white short man. So it didn't yeah. really happen as much. My brother, who was Sean Peter Mahan, when it came time to take his confirmation name, realising he could add a, a word to his kind of lexicon, he chose mm. Alexander's confirmation name so right. he could lean in and become spam. But that was like, that was very much ah. like, a, you're not, you're not, not gonna make fun of me because I'm doing it first. Right, I'm in control here. This is, <laughs> I'm yeah, in control, right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. But no, we we haven't suffered in that way. But I can understand it can be quite irritating if you've got a famous surname. And you know what? If you know anyone or you are someone mm. uh, who, who has experienced that, we're happy for this to be a sounding off board. You know, if if you have anyone who has that experience of having a yeah. either a famous name or or an unfortunately chosen name, that's something where I'm sure we're glad to hear of here on cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com will we do some of the jokes that you've heard a million times probably yeah but we'll also be a sympathetic ear in these difficult times. I bet you've been expecting me to do that <laughs> Mr. Bond huh? there you go now huh? <laughs> thank you Doug for your question now Kevin I'm going to close the mailbag there okay because uh, well, but play the music Welcome to Pepsi Swirl. Whoa! Every time you do this, I just get like a feel like being punched in the face with a cold glass of Pepsi. <laughs> what? What is this? Is this you now going to do the new Charlie Chaplin 2000 and put like two little forks in Pepsi Max cans and do a little dance and oh, capture the hearts and minds of the generation? You know you've talked about like nails on a chalkboard and the brush on concrete. Mm. And the idea of any kind of cutlery going into a Pepsi can really upset. Oh, yeah. oh, that Ooh. hits me right there to the core. I just wanted to let you know, Kevin, mm. and listeners of Cinema Swell, that during the current circumstances that we're not oh, really no. discussing, we're all at home, mm? okay? And I, to have a, a nice relax, have been drinking sometimes. Yeah. Um, and I, I, my tipple of choice has been a gin and tonic. Yeah. And I love a gin and tonic. Ah, I love gin and tonic. I, I've yeah. probably been drinking more gin now than I have been in any previous two-month period. And so, the, yeah. The, the great thing is that, like, over... So I don't drink that much at home normally. I don't drink that much really anyway. Sometimes I do go out and I have a few too many. <laughs> Sometimes I have a beer myself, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but for, like, birthdays and Christmases and presents and stuff, I will get, like, a nice gin or a nice vodka or something mm. like that. And now I've got this supply of saved up things that I've not been drinking that I now have the opportunity to have a nice little rack and have a drink. So gin was my my choice, but I ran out of tonic water. No, you fucking no, are no, not no, no, telling no, 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 no. me. No, 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 no. I'm not telling you that. I'm not telling you that. Okay, because gin and tonic max is not applicable. That's not allowed. Or oh, then maybe next time I will try that. Because oh, that no. What if it works though? What if 
it works? No! What if it works? I'm willing to try it for this podcast. Oh, Jesus Christ, Sam. <laughs> but I had some vanilla vodka left, and there was some Pepsi Max in the house. A can of Pepsi Max. This is the first time in a very long time that I've willingly consumed a whole a whole can, a whole container of Pepsi Max, deliberately. Not because it was the only thing left, but be, be, I chose to do it. And I put a bit of vanilla vodka in, Pepsi Max in there, and Kevin, it was absolutely wonderful. It was so, a great experience. Where's this supply coming from? You know, is this is this just like, oh, decide now, you know, now that we have to go out for, for a few essential bits and bobs, I'll grab some Pepsi as well. That's just interesting. Look, there was Pepsi. I'm not saying how it got there, but there was wow. some Pepsi Max, all right? It was there. It was so, there for the taking. This little shameful segment here, Nan, is mm. this just you to kind of go? Not necessarily shameful. Oh, it's not because I was wondering if this is you kind of going <laughs> check it, check this out. Yeah, I'm not or, bragging. Or if it's you kind of just peeking out and saying I'm sorry, and then going back into well, your little, you know, my my attitude would have been I'm sorry, but I think now it's just hey, this has happened. It's okay. All right. Yeah. I tell you what, when I had that Pepsi Max with that vanilla vodka, it was like. I was having a pudding. Uh, or for Amer- American listeners, a dessert. Like, the, the sweetness of it was, ex- like, intense. I guess it's because I've kind of... Your resistance has went down, yeah. is what's happened. And so, so now, now it's, you know, double KO. It but tastes like, really sweet. So that now means it constitutes good value for money, is what you're yeah. saying, essentially. It's like, yeah, it's like I'm having a, a proper Pepsi. You know, full sugar. But oh, I'm not having I'm- sugar. I'm having maximum taste. And it, it, it tastes like I'm having sugar. I'm worried about this. I've gamed the system. I, I kind of feel like you've convinced yourself you've gamed the system here I've now. I've won, mate. I've won. I'm quids in. You're really high energy this episode as well, I've just noticed. You're fucking positively Look, brimming with energy. Is there a link? Perhaps. that It wasn't today that I had it, but the, the effects may have lasted. So it's our daily time. dose then. We're on a daily dose. That was... It was a, it was a one-off... Oh, that's a one-off. Well, it was a one-off, but what I feel now is that maybe it's not a one-off. Maybe it's maybe I'm at the point now where I can dip back in when I feel like it as a little treat. Well, that's how I used to feel about the mailbag. You know, uh, you can just dip back in as a little treat. Yeah. But, you know, I... I and now we I, do it every episode. <laughs> I just listened to a plea for help as far as I'm mm. concerned. So, you know, I'm going to do what I can through the powers of shame, Catholic guilt and shame alone. Okay. You know? To, to just I, convince me that I've made a terrible mistake. I, I, I feel think bad. you've made a terrible mistake. Okay. And it was I think lovely, though. It was I, really nice. I know it is. Yeah. But I think you're going to be chasing that. I suppose sin does taste good, doesn't it? And it does. The, it tastes yeah. very good. That's why Magnum mm. made seven deadly sins. You know? Oh. Uh, oh, I'd love a Magnum now. Oh, I'd love a Magnum maybe, now. Maybe when I get that feeling that I want a Pepsi Max, I should just have a Magnum Look, instead. <laughs> if you find yourself feeling you want to have a Pepsi, Pepsi Max, just have a big ice cream instead, okay? okay. That's, yeah, yeah. that's just a healthier option, Sam, for, for you and for me and for everyone. But like, I know, I don't want you to be chasing that metallic blue and metallic red dragon sound mm. that's all i'm worried that you're going to be chasing that sugar high i don't think so but we'll see and I, I felt i owed it to you and to the listeners to make that clear that that has happened and that there has been a change and yep. that, you, you know what in a way it's nice to be back in pepsi swell just for a little little revisit yeah that's 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 me filled with the requisite amount of existential dread for this episode <laughs> Sam, are you ready to watch yourself a bit of Eddie Murphy classic, Beverly Hills Cop? Is that where you want to be? That's where I want to be, Eddie Murphy. 
Eddie Murphy watching the film. <laughs> Let's go do a cinema swirl. on because we're in Beverly Hills copping around so we are Sam initial good reactions to BCH Beverly Hills Cop it was quite a good film that I enjoyed watching on this episode of uh, look I didn't plan out the syllables it went wrong but (laughs) you had too many feelings and not enough syllables that was the problem there yeah yeah it was good that Yeah. yeah yeah Yeah. Compared to our recent, we had a lot of romps recently. Mm-hmm. Would you describe this as romp-like? Was this a fist-pumping-in-the-air type of an experience? Or what were your main feelings? Just a, a, a general good-time vibe, you know? I, I mean, yeah. I'm basing this mostly on the kind of the feeling at the end of it, where mm. it feels all kind of... Not to spoil anything this early on. I mean, you might have... You've probably already seen it. it I, I feel good. It was a good time. There was some action. There was some fun. There was some buddy dynamics, which I'm yeah. al- I'm always a fan of. I love buddies. The fish out of water. Fish in water. Buddy out of water. Buddy this out what this of movie water. is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't let your friend go thirsty. Your buddy's out of water. Come on, go sort him out. Now, I, I don't know if it's too early to ask you this. Mm. But Eddie Murphy, like you got a you got a, a big dose of him oh, there. Yeah, you know? I got a very big dose. I mean, early on, I did sort of have this feeling of, oh, that's Donkey from Shrek saying all of these lines in this film. I think that has kind of worked its way into my brain as you know Eddie Murphy's voice because I, I mean, as Donkey. He was mostly just being Eddie Murphy. It's just, I was just the say, voice that's of Eddie the, Murphy. The bygone era where there was no embellishment at all, where they'd no. be like, sorry, Ross from Friends, I don't think the people who are coming to see Madagascar quite will know that you're Ross from Friends if you keep acting. Yeah. So stop. So Eddie Murphy was very much <laughs> Eddie Murphy. So early on, I think I was thinking, oh, this is, you know, Eddie Murphy, Donkey from Shrek, saying all of, he's doing some swearing. But I, I got a big, a strong dose of what I imagine is classic Eddie Murphy here. Do you get the the Eddie Murphy? Like, do you get why he was such a, a mainstay? Because oh, yeah, we've had yeah, a, lot, yeah. a lot of, of featured kind of big names in Hollywood recently, and I've asked you similarly. So why why is Eddie Murphy so beloved in the 80s and 90s in Hollywood? He's got a great laugh. He does, he doesn't does he? He a great laugh. Uh, you know, he's a charm offensive, the lad. He's got... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> And uh, the, the the heavy artillery is that disarming laugh, yeah. ironically enough. Like, but he's he's uh, he's funny and cool, which is honestly hard to pull off a lot of the time. Very rare does someone who's meant to be funny and cool mm. in the eighties last upon contact with the twenty first century. Yeah, but I think I, I could report that I believe that Eddie Murphy still seemed from from seeing him before and after the turn of the millennium mm. funny and cool. Yeah, I think he's he's managed to. To stick to it. We open in the Motor City, Detroit, Michigan, the mean streets. And you know they're mean because we spent a lot of time looking at all the differently dressed people. And at one point, Sam, I swore we saw some off-duty warriors. <laughs> yeah. 
I mean, this isn't Detroit Cop, is it? So what, what's going on here? Why are we being shown yeah, That's around? RoboCop is what you're thinking uh, of, yeah, mate. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's his jurisdiction, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, we do see, like, oh, D- Detroit... This very much isn't Beverly Hills, is what we're being shown here. This isn't, you know, glamorous hollywood lifestyle i know it's, I know it's Beverly not hills and not hollywood not the same thing but you know and it's it's not the detroit that you're used to from robocop either no. in essence it's sell is setting as like a prequel a mega prequel mm. to uh, the extended detroit averse essentially but we get some lovely 80s music straight away uh, the soundtrack is great i mean there's oh. gonna be some big parts of this that we all need to touch on I've, I've already sort of alluded to it. The soundtrack, yeah. in terms of the diversity of the soundtrack, let's just mm. say, I do have an issue or two with it because we start off with some bangers. We got the Neutron Dance, we got the Heat Is On. These are some like big, yeah, yeah. big songs. Mm. These are floor fillers, folks. It's straight and simple, is what they are. If you want people to celebrate your wedding, put on the Neutron Dance. Yeah, the Heat Is On. Come on now. Yeah. Uh, any of those. But then we get into. Every single I watched this with Joe the intern. Every single time the music kicked in, she went bing bing like the crazy frog. Yes. Now I didn't know that Axel F mm. was from Beverly Hills Cop. Axel Foley. Axel, well, now I know because I, I didn't even know what the character was called. But I, I thought it was unusual that that song was just called Axel F. But I never went as far as to find out why it was called Axel F or what it was from or anything like that. And I, I did know it from Crazy Frog. And obviously, you know, Eddie Murphy was originally approached to be the voice of Crazy Frog. But he felt the portfolio in that turn of the millennium time hmm. with the donkey. You want to go Crazy Frog as well. I don't know. I mean, we don't want people saying you're an animal, Eddie, baby. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that that was a revelation to me. That was another one of those things was like, oh, shit, okay, that song's from this. Much like Over the Rainbow in ah, Wizard of Oz. Yes. I was like, oh, that's, that's come from this. Axel F, I didn't know that it was from Beverly Hills Cop, but now I do. So, so were you keeping your eyes peeled for Crazy himself, like if he was going <laughs> to show up? You know, like casually, like in a small role, maybe, like not a feature role or anything like, like a, that. Like a walk-on part for, for Crazy <laughs> 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 That was part of the agreement. My, my point, though, about that theme song, mm. great as it is, and boy, do they know it. I counted its use nine times throughout the proceedings of this movie, and all of the the rest of the soundtrack is really great, but I can't help but begrudge something that shows us this almost Tarantino level of like, oh, these are some bangers I've not mm. heard of from the good old days, and then just be like, actually, this one song that I have I really like. It's like the world's worst DJ at a party that keeps going back to his, his mate's song that he wants to have good rotation well it's a really good melody it's a really it's a banger it's It's so good and i think when they were composing the music for it maybe the composer who who composed axe left was like well i've got this and i've got all these other ones and maybe the director or the producer was like no just just do that one again but different just do more of that one it's like no do you want to listen to all these other ones (laughs) no No, this is the star of the show here this axle f song play that over and over again and you know i understand it but you're right it is 
they lay it on pretty thick, the old axle left. This is basically a what-if scenario. Like, imagine if Mike Oldfield was encased within a tubular bell and only allowed to do <laughs> tubular bells and nothing else. I feel like that's what's happened here. His hands have been tied. So it's called Axle F, right? And that's presumably, yeah. like, this is the theme for the character of Axel Foley. But they didn't have any themes for any of the other characters is what's happened. Hey, no, come on, no. No, Judge Reinhold will have some music for him. Come on, here we go now. Judge Reinhold, Judge Reinhold, Judge Reinhold. <laughs> Damn it, no, it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's a banger. The soundtrack generally is great, but mm. it relies pretty heavily on Axle F. I mean, it, it reminds me of like seeing Doctor No, the original James Bond movie, where it's like the name's Bond, James Bond, and then he played the Bond theme, and then, like anytime he do anything, yeah, telephone call for you, Mister Bond. <laughs> like they had no diversification they didn't have Madonna at their beck and call like they did when they got good those movies later on you know so Eddie's uh, well Axel is, is he's selling cigarettes out the back of a truck and I'm like hold on this is this this guy's the, the Beverly Hills cop he's not the Beverly Hills cr- criminal is he <laughs> <laughs> Beverly Hills crook have more I, like him alright I've been duped and he mentions Johnny Banana being one of the crime associates that he has which I just I enjoyed that and then that later bananas come up so that's fun you, you like the callback to the banana later on it's, it's Chekhov's banana you know you, you set up the idea <laughs> that there's some sort of banana character early on you gotta pay that off later and they do it pays dividends cops arrive chasing eddie and the gang away on a massive cigarette truck and this lovely 80s fun music and this feels like one of those car chases that can only work in the grand theft auto video game series yeah we spent a lot of time in scarface talking about how that had so much of you know grand theft auto Mm. so much from it but i really feel like particularly the the oddball characters like the weird police and the the wanton destruction of trucks that is so grand theft auto a hundred percent big heavy lorry versus like little flimsy police cars that just roll out of the way if you hit them lots of crashing into things this all looks very expensive yeah and a weird thing about this scene is that the entire scene where they're smashing through everywhere and Mm. eddie's in the back of the truck and he's hanging on to that that chain isn't he for dear life and he's hanging on for dear life and it was very strange to me Sam because I'm used to seeing Eddie Murphy being you know figuratively off the chain right and yet here he was very (laughs) much on the chain literally in that sense and uh, another thing this reminded me of with all the wanton destruction Mm. particularly of lots of cop cars was that I thought it was very Blues Brothers-esque. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Or the word also could be shortened to Blue Bro-esque. Or, you know, just streamlined it to Blubrosk, which is my new word. And if I start using that, just know that's what it means. Blubrosk. 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 Yeah, sure. It, in, including one of those Blubrosk things is smashing into a vegetable wagon that just has vegetables written all over it. Like, it, on the <laughs> license plate is vegetables, the side just says vegetables. Just so we know it's vegetables, it's covered in vegetables. Smash. Lots of cars smashing. Yeah, there's a point a bus jackknifes. I think that's what... Yeah. I just, it, a bus did a cool thing, and when a car does a cool thing and it goes... I say that's a jackknife, and I don't know if it's right. <laughs> I think if you say it with enough confidence, it is a jackknife. The real yeah. jackknife is the jackknife Lee, who uh, produced a lot of music for <laughs> Eminem and other artists in the early 2000s. And he was a confident... And he had as well. confidence to just you know, put big, loud guitars in there. Now, when this truck gets caught, you know, it stops and the, the, the cops pull up on, 
on Eddie here. There's loads of cops, isn't there? Like, there's loads of goes cops. on for for ages. How does that work when there's a big queue like that? Does the person at the front get to arrest him, <laughs> or like, is it? I don't, I don't know. Who gets taxis, first in. Like, he's got the first one. But they, they they go up to him and it's like, oh, Foley, I should have known it was you. Uh, what are you like? Uh, eh? Foley, more like the Foley's. Am I right? <laughs> So he is a cop. He's not a criminal. This was an undercover uh, job that he was doing, but he hadn't informed his boss that he was going to be working undercover. So he's in trouble now. Mm, That's suspect to me, Sam, because in a way, aren't all crimes undercover work that you've not properly arranged in all walks of life. Yeah, yeah. Well, you see, the, the the thing is, Lieutenant, I didn't go to the trouble of becoming a police officer in the first place before I did this and undercover that's on job. you. Yeah. You're a lieutenant of the police and you let me, you let me arrange this? Undercover? And I haven't even got a badge? That'd be such a good line of defence to be like, no, it's an undercover job, uh, but I, so undercover that I couldn't be in the police force, otherwise they'd know that I was part of the police, mate. So. I, I think that's a good first line of defence. And remember, folks, if you find yourself in those situations, that's the first line of defence. Second line of defence, back pocket, total recall defence. You claim that you blew my cover, and you, you say you don't even know who you are. <laughs> Kill a few as well. That'll that'll sell us. Kill yeah. a few. Yeah, sure. Go for it. So we we get Eddie getting told off here. Axel's getting told off by his boss. boss. Good, huh? good angry boss. Very good angry mm. boss. He's very angry. I mean, Axel and Eddie Murphy often feels like a kind of a little kind of sassy kid, and he, you know he he's still delivering some funny lines, but he he does respect authority. In some ways, like this bits where he's like sitting down, getting told off, where he does look like he's just in trouble and stuff, but still trying to. He's meant to be the the, the naughty kid at school mm. who means well ultimately, you know. Like that's you're meant to have. Like, you want to see him get his hair tussled or something like that. And go you. The way this chat goes is like you're a good cop, you've got great potential, but you need to stop being such a wise ass. He's got big Bart Simpson energy, has Axel uh, <laughs> Foley, hasn't he? <laughs> He has, yes. So he, he's had a, a bad day at the office because he's been sneakily doing undercover work without telling anyone that he was doing it. His ass gets chewed, yes. which is one of my favourite expressions. I'll never forget when I was in, in boarding school and one of the deans was like, you have no idea what happens when I have to go up to those priests. My ass gets chewed. And I was like, ugh. ugh. Well, there's a bit... What? A bit where yeah. the boss is like, uh, and they're, they're chewing my ass about this, and my ass has been... <laughs> don't co- let him do that! My ass has been fully chewed. I don't have any ass left. My ass has disappeared from being chewed, and as he's walking away, Eddie, this is more kind of sassy, naughty kid stuff. He's like, uh, hey, uh, chief, you still... Ass ain't been completely chewed up, because you you still got a bit of ass there. And he's like, oh, d- don't, be, don't be such a wise ass. Unlike my ass, which is not wise, because it got completely chewed to the point of... <laughs> Not existing. It would have been not the time for a playful spank on the bottom. No, no, that you know that would even though they were in a locker room as well. Like you know, it would have been very, very much. He read, he read the room there. Did actually, he did a good job. And what I most as well is right. This guy he comes, he's like, you may as chewing my ass out, Foley. You're a piece of shit, and you're the worst cop I've ever seen. And da, da, da. and then at the end, you're a good cop, Foley. Yeah. <laughs> No, he's not. He's a well, bad cop. No, he's got talent. He's got raw talent. Um, to Well, it's raw talent because he's Eddie Murphy. I guess so. And he heads home, and we get the actual F music as he's heading home. So go, oh, yeah. Okay. So it's, it's, okay. What what are you, Sam? Are you more of a... Are you a... 
Which of the two are you? Because it's a bouncy bit, and then there's a very kind of laser bit. Yeah, I, I'm I'm the bass line underneath, mate. Right? Uh, yeah, you're the. <laughs> That's who I am. That's who you are. <laughs> he gets home, and I mean, a, a danger. There's someone in his flat, so he cautiously oh no, enters. A with criminal the, the, man here in my house. But it, it's just his mate who has got out of prison with some stolen bearer bonds. You know what, Kevin? I don't. I I've watched this whole film. I've watched many things with bearer bonds. I'm mm. not 100% sure what a bearer bond is. I think it's, as far as I know, a bond. It's like an IOU, except it's backed up by, like, a government or a, or, or a bank, essentially. It's like a credit note. Right, like, it's like a, like a big, it's big, flat money. I mean, yeah, it, the, certi- the bonds are issued certificates, a money as far certificate. as I know. money certificate. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it basically say, like, your money's not been wasted because it's been put in this very nice bond. I'm pretty sure I had to take out a bond once because I remember I went to the bank and I got like they're like oh hang on we've got your special bond and it was in this like it looked like I had graduated or something yeah. they gave me this thing and it had like gilded letters and like sparkles on it and shit it's like you know <laughs> macaroni glues on it there's just a big IOU but a proper official one I think bank, so yeah. I, I mean there could be war bonds which is basically like you know you're you're that's paying for war efforts and whatnot. James I know there's bonds. bank bonds yeah. James Bond Doug Bond who yep. was in earlier I mean I wonder if Doug gets that as well are we like oh what are you are you you backed up against the government are you Doug when he goes out to get his uh, his bonds from the bank just, can I just get some of those um, you know the uh... this guy walking by with a big load of bonds oi <laughs> <laughs> bonds, 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 bonds. We're, we're so sorry, Doug. Um, <laughs> we're just having some bonds, tour, okay? That's all it is. Uh, so his mates, in his, it's broken into his flat with some stolen bearer bonds, and it's just like, hey, I'm back. I've been in prison. I'm back. I'm your mate. I just thought I'd break in and eat your food, because that's Wait, the level. You've been gone. Where have you been for six months? Beverly Hills. That is where I've been. <laughs> I've been in Beverly Hills. He's been in Beverly Hills working as a security guard, which Eddie what, finds what, very what, funny. What, 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 oh. <laughs> he finds very funny. We get that that lovely Eddie Murphy laugh that I you know can't do for love and money. But if you've heard it, you know it. It's, it's a good laugh. <laughs> Yeah. Like, if Hank Hill laughed a lot, it would sound like Eddie Murphy's laugh. But Hank Hill rarely laughs. You know, the, <laughs> you know it's, yeah. got a, it's got that low quality. Jim, you know? Jimmy Carr, but pitched down significantly, I think. Is oh, 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 <laughs> oh, that's very easy, yeah. If, you've, if you think about it like that, it's very yeah. easy to imitate. <laughs> and he also liked Jimmy Carr. Yeah. He moves his face side to side with a big... <laughs> Big grin, like, I can't believe you said that, or I said that, or someone said that. I don't think we can speak for Eddie Murphy's tax history, but, you know, (laughs) we don't know. The heat is on is definitely an applicable song to the subject material there. (laughs) Yeah. His mate's been working as a security guard in an art gallery in Beverly Hills. Good sassy line from Eddie here. uh, The Hollis Benton Art Gallery out in Beverly Hills. Have you ever heard of it? Yeah, I buy all my art there. I mean, that's you know, it's just a, it, it's it's quite a flat delivery, sarcastic kind of uh, lovely stuff from Eddie. He doesn't really like. I feel bad earlier comparing him, you know, in terms of like oh, big comedy names like Jim Carrey and stuff. Because Jesus Christ, Eddie Murphy is anything if not understated. Like even if you compare him to like other kind of you know names from the time or mm. from before, like I don't know, like Richard Pryor or like yeah. Steve Martin, kind of like big comedy names. He's pretty. 
pretty chill. Like, I don't know if this is because this is an early Eddie Murphy movie and he's obviously a bit more, you know, bouncing off the walls in Haunted Mansion and whatnot. Yeah. But yeah, here, very, very chill. He's chill, he's cool, he, he's very charismatic. He's not necessarily completely off the chain, wild, massive personality. But he's, you know, he's it's still a, a, a strong performance. Now, because this is something that I was interested in, because mm. I feel like, you know, that line you told me there where, where he's just got the really sassy, cool line. Like, I feel like there's like a dozen of those sprinkled out here where it's not like necessarily want the whole audience to split their sides laughing, but they want yeah. to kind of go, Eddie Murphy's so fucking That's cool. A funny guy. He's, he's so funny. Mm. Like, this is such a, you're a made man if you're starring in this movie. And you were telling me beforehand that you got some hot scoop. You've been doing some sleuthing. I had a little look on the Wikipedia for this film after I'd watched it. And uh, this uh, paragraph, I mean, th- this sentence blew my mind a little bit. Uh, Sylvester Stallone was originally considered Excuse for the part of Foley. Excuse me. Yeah, Stallone gave the script a dramatic rewrite and made it into a straight action film. So he was offered it. Wait, is that what Copland is? P- perhaps. Um, oh, man, the, the, the web we weave. Yeah, so Stallone not only was offered it, but he kind of changed the script quite a bit, but he, he pulled out because his ideas were deemed... Wait. Oh, no, no, it's not Copland. He turned that into into Cobra. Oh, my God, that makes sense. I oh. Does this change your understanding of another film? Um, we yeah. have got to watch Cobra now. (laughs) Oh my fucking god. Wow. Stallone's ideas were deemed too expensive for Paramount to produce and (laughs) he he ultimately pulled out two weeks before filming was due to start and two days later the film's producers convinced Eddie Murphy to replace Stallone and they rewrote a lot of it as you can imagine because this this film wouldn't be the same if it had Stallone in it compared to the film we were watching with Eddie Murphy in it. It'd be completely different. That, like, can't happen these days, can it? Where it's like, oh, two weeks before it's meant to start, there's a big, huge change. Like, I've watched so many movies recently, and I feel I feel like I try to avoid a lot of movie news and rumours and whatnot. Considering I host a movie podcast, I avoid more mm. than I probably should. Yeah. And yet, still, I go into movies that, like, literally vibrate the fact that they have had a star change or a director change or a producer change or something happen in the middle of it mm. and it feels all wrong. You couldn't have convinced me that this had any sort of a change before. This seems like destiny that has to be Eddie Murphy in this role. Yeah, it, it feels like very much like an Eddie Murphy vehicle from the offset. Yeah. And I think that's, I mean, that's a credit to the, the rewrites that occurred. I mean, Mickey Rourke was the first one to be offered this. <laughs> really? Al Pacino and James Caan, Richard Pryor were all considered what? for this. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of crazy when you think about who could have been cast in this none none of those names remotely like no. Al, Al Pacino <laughs> Al Pacino was one of the considered ones Mickey Rourke was like firm Sylvester Stallone also pretty firm but then they they pulled out because of differences and you know production stuff that is like the most random that is like literally you've got the top trumps of stars at the time yeah. in Hollywood and you shuffle them and you've just drawn out seven yeah. and that's who we've got it's, this it's mad, no rhyme or reason yeah. well it could have James Caan or Richard Pryor <laughs> I'm sold what movie is that gonna be it's, it's kind of amazing how this movie came together <laughs> All right, this this is you've just given the movie a solid buff there. It's, yeah, it's yeah. gotten an increase in estimation because of that. Uh, Eddie and his mate, the, the the security guard guy who's come back from prison, they go to a bar, and his mate Mikey he wants them to steal a car together. They're all having a laugh, and and Eddie's like, "Mate, I'm a 
I'm a policeman. I can't can't steal a car with you, can I? Because I'm just say it's undercover. It's not undercover, man. Come on, no, baby, it's all right. Uh, I was actually distracted in this scene because of the amazing John Virgo esque or Virgesque uh, trick Mm. shot that I saw on screen. It was Uh, an absolute thing of beauty. It's only it was. It's only a game. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yes, mates, like betting uh, willy nilly on on. You know, trick shots in pool and things like that. Which is, but he's know. got a he's got crook roots, as Axel you see. Yeah, you basically find out that him and his buddy here and, and some others were involved in kind of like some hoodlum behaviour back when they were younger. And a very sweet moment. He's like, "Yeah, when you got caught earlier, why didn't you rat me out?" And he said, "Isn't it obvious? Cause I love you." And he was saying it kind of silly, but it was very sweet, genuinely quite sweet, tender, and borderline romantic. Uh, it was that was oh. very nice, and it set, uh, sets up the fact that these two have a very strong friendship. They go back a long way. They do this in such a blistering pace. I must yeah, admit, yeah, it's quick. That one line, which is very unexpected, do- goes a long way because he's dead in a moment. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. you, it's like this guy's flashed quicker than Eddie Murphy flashes his Detroit police badge later on. Like, you know, I didn't think too much of it at the time, but now I'm like, okay, that's like big plot development that you need to do now because this character's going in a second, and we need to establish that Eddie really cares about this guy. So Mikey's hanging around town, and he gets found by some bad men and I'm very very sorry that I wrote it like this in my notes uh, and I spent a good five or ten minutes laughing afterwards mm. but poor old Mikey sure they give him a bop and the bang and then he's done so he is yeah, he does get bopped <laughs> and then he gets banged <laughs> Axel just gets bopped and this is like outside his flat he just gets bopped knocked out for this whole thing so he doesn't see what's happening he doesn't see the bop nor the bang no he does he, he I'm sure he felt the bop but he, he he doesn't see it but then yeah Mikey gets bopped and banged and that's that's the end of it Sam you promise me, right? If you gotta do me like that, you bop and bang me clean, okay? <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like, you'd be at the hit man, and the person would be like, take the bop. Now take the bang. A <laughs> <laughs> couple of baddies here. One of them. Uh, uh, hey, it's, it's uh, Mike from, sorry, from Breaking Bad. Fishing. Have we picked up a Mike Ehrman trout suddenly, have we? <laughs> Who I've been seeing a lot of recently because uh, Better Call Saul's been on, hasn't it? So, yeah. Better Call Saul, which has been on for the last, you know, four or five years or whatever and people have only started watching it turns out it's really good it yeah, is, yeah it, it, it is excellent it, yeah. i i have long advocated as the best television show and jonathan banks who is very young here like a young light bulb high-pitched version of of mike yes he's he's so good he's absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculously brilliant and and if you've not watched Better Call Saul, and you have watched Breaking Bad. My mouth is a gasp at yeah. your like, like it is right, goddamn there. You know, it, it's 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 waiting for you. Take it. It's phenomenally good. Oh, and I love I love Jonathan Banks as Mike so much. He plays old scary man great, and he plays young scary man quite well as well. Yeah, I mean, young youngish. He still looks, you know. Uh, I don't know. But he's got voice. a voice like this because he's younger. Yeah. And his voice hasn't become the, gra- the gravel hasn't sunk into his voice yet. Yeah. There you go again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Mikey's been uh, bopped and banged. He's he, he's out of here. And the boss even says that it was a pro hit because mm. that's how thorough a bop and a bang it was. Like he's been looking at bops and bangs in Detroit for years. Yeah, and that bang job is as good a, a good bang up job as you'll see. <laughs> so, Axel wants to take this case and he's upset that he can't take it and he, you know the boss is like no because you've got a personal connection to this 
And, yeah, uh, and already lots giving of a bit good of reasons. Mate. Yeah, loads of plentiful good reasons why he shouldn't take this case. And then Axel's just like, all right, I want to take, uh, take some annual leave <laughs> for, for no reason. I'm going to go on vacation. And don't forget, you can't spell vacation without investigation. <laughs> Am I right? And the boss is like, okay, but don't butt in on this case, all right? Because if you're butting in on this case, you're in trouble. And he's like, no, I'm just taking a vacation. And we cut to Eddie Murphy on his way to Beverly Hills to investigate this whole situation. I love the montage here. I've seen him in a dirty old jalopy mm-hmm. going past all of these mansions. Yep. Near where I live in Salford, I live on kind of the outskirts of, of Manchester. Yeah. And it's not a particularly well-to-do or fancy or built-up area area or anything mm-hmm. like that but very peculiarly out in the the wilderness in the countryside out here there is a particular street which is just filled with mansions of suspected irish gang members oh. and rogue developers right around a quarter of which are derelict and abandoned as they fled for various islands with no jurisdiction oh, <laughs> but uh, wow. yeah it's just great to know i can get that creepy haunted mansion experience if i want within you know 20 minutes so if you fancy that drive where you're looking at the window at the nice mansions you can just there was just one area where you can go and just and just do that yeah it is it's yeah. good particularly if you drive like i used to a haunted car you can kind of feel <laughs> a little bit you know like you're fitting in yeah he's checking out all the nice shops all the nice all, all the pretty ladies um and all that sort of thing in in beverly hills that they have and he checks into a hotel he tries to blag his way in by pretending he's from rolling stone magazine and, and then it starts properly kicking off when he doesn't get a suite because he hasn't booked ahead and they didn't have the internet back in those days so you would have had to ring up and, and book a room and he hasn't done that but it, you know he's, he's trying to blag his way in is this the movie's one use of the n-word um i think so i'm sorry i hate to use that phrase because obviously you know when i say the phrase the n-word that makes you think of louis ck who had a stand-up routine about the n-word making you think about other words and i'm sorry yeah. to make you think about louis ck during all this you know and i'm, I'm sorry about that but <laughs> yes i mean he makes it into a into a race thing quite cleverly to you know freak out the hotel staff into thinking oh no we don't want to be perceived as you know that sort of person especially if he's a journalist for the rolling stone who can then write all these things about you jokes on him though sam because it's a hotel in beverly hills which means it's expensive yeah i mean he's managed to blag the suite and he's like oh we'll, we'll just charge you the regular room rate and he's like oh okay how much is that it's it's still loads uh, it's still, still a lot of money it's too many but at that point he's, he's in too deep uh so he's asking yeah Fine, that's okay. Thank you. I'll I'll check into this nice hotel. We head to the gallery where the art is nothing less than creepy or out of a new wave music video, whichever one strikes you more. Yeah, I tried to remember. It's like a kind of <laughs> dinner party scene with rotating heads on the plates or something. It and it's reminds mannequins. me of the music video for She Blinded Me with Science. You know, Herbie Hancock. Invite me to that. Loads of, like weird. Okay. Oh, you've not seen that music video? No. You'll enjoy that. Okay. Uh, and he interacts with Serge, Serge who is, uh, I think, a Russian accented gentleman who works I don't know in an what, art gallery. what to make a Serge here. And he's like, Can I get you something to drink? Would you like a wine? Or would you like a cocktail? Or, and I quote, I can do you an espresso with a lemon twist. A lemon twist? I a mean, lemon twist? Sam, what the fuck? I'm not a coffee drinker. I know. Sometimes I'm a cola drinker. A lemon twist with a bit of, you know, Pepsi Max. I mean, I think Pepsi Max lemon twist actually exists as, as a product. But coffee and lemon? Eh, coffee no. and lemon? No, 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 no. no I don't no. think so. 
Nah. Now we want to let la- you want to layer your flavors, and you want to layer like a more harsh version of like something bitter on top of it. Here's a fun little coffee fact for you, fun kids at home. Mm. If you got coffee and you have a little sip and go, "Ooh, ooh, that's a little bit bitterer than I would have liked," uh, get a little tiny, and I mean tiny, mm. sprinkle of salt and that in there. Mm. It'll make it taste less bitter. And then a little lemon twist, and it will be lovely. No, don't do that. It'll taste like a lemon. <laughs> when life gives you lemons, don't put them on <laughs> espresso, okay? <laughs> the, the thing I enjoyed in the interaction between uh, Axel and Serge is that Eddie Murphy, when, when they talk about how much some of this art is, Eddie Murphy does the kind of high-pitched, get the fuck out of here thing, and Serge like, raises his voice to it, to that pitch, to go, no, I cannot get out of here. <laughs> it's, 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 quite, it's quite sweet. I mean, it's just sort of a a kind of 80s foreign man character and it's like oh that he's different and he doesn't quite you know there's a bit of awkwardness there we're seeing two fish out of water yeah together at yeah. once someone call the aquarium the fish are out of water axel's gone to this art gallery to meet jenny summers who is the friend of Mikey and Axel. Yeah, their old running buddy, who, who is also the gallery operator slash manager. And this was the gallery that Mikey, the guy who's been bopped and banged, worked out as a security guard. Yeah, and this is very, very, like, point-and-click adventure game. I think uh, Joe, the intern, was telling me that she played some Beverly Hills cop game on, like, the Commodore or something like that. Okay. Like, there were some kind of, like, point-and-clicky investigating games because, you know, like, you go to the art gallery because you hear it from your friend and then from the art yeah. gallery you go to the warehouse and then in the warehouse you go and you find the boss and you try and deliver flowers to the boss. But it's too early in the game to meet the boss so the boss is going to press the button to make the baddies come out. I mean, that is what happens in the next scene. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I would say if you're playing Beverly Hills Cop on the Commodore 64, don't let the boss press the button that makes the baddies come. Axel snuck into the boss's office pretending to sell flowers. The old flowers routine, the old flower man. routine. Mike from Breaking Bad is in the office too. The, the the owner of the gallery, Victor, has a scary kind of villainy English accent. And, I mean, there's a, there's a kind of loaded comment here which i mean the whole thing about sylvester stallone being in this and other actors being in this who aren't eddie murphy and aren't black actors and like lines like detroit is a very violent city isn't it from a like a white english dude has this weight to it right that felt like a pointed thing and there's a lot of racial connotations to things that people are saying to Eddie Murphy's character when he comes to Beverly Hills. And I thought that that's such a big part of the film. I think this is one of those great examples of a, of a movie of the time that has like these little bits, like little subtext in it mm. that maybe for like some like the audience members who are black would probably have certain connotations, but for those white folks just like right over our heads. Yeah. And so they managed to have a movie that had maybe a more empowering character than most of us would have realized. Yeah. Because you, know, you can watch this movie and just be like, he's just a cop and there's like no racial stuff whatsoever yeah. like you can watch this where any of the fucking politics man yeah <laughs> but like there is a few little bits like that line there where they have yeah. a little sneak in there going well actually no for a, a black man like eddie murphy to walk the streets in in beverly hills it's kind of fucked up and no more is that evident than when he gets thrown out a window and this is my yeah. favorite scene oh, God. where he's yeah. like you're arresting me for throwing me being thrown <laughs> out a window and he says i'm being arrested for being thrown out of a window like 10 times it's so funny it's very funny. The line of, uh, what's the charge disturbing the peace? I got thrown out of a window. What's the fucking 
charged for getting pushed out of a moving car. Jaywalking? This is bullshit. <laughs> I mean, it, it's great stuff from Eddie here. And the fact that he gets thrown out of a window and is arrested for being thrown out of a window. Uh, it, it, it's madness. But but again, like you could watch that. You could you could watch that just as like a fucking um, um you know as, as uh, a brain dead movie go and just be like, isn't that silly? Because he got thrown out of a window. But you could watch mm. that and have comments about you know police brutality and all that as well. The movie very much has its cake and eats it, which you don't usually get in the eighties. No. So uh, I mean, there's, there's some bits later on that we'll get to where I'm like, ah, okay, they've they've ah. had their cake and they've also uh, done something terrible with another cake here. <laughs> maybe, maybe they should be doing um, the police station he gets taken to looks like harvard it, university it's, it's so fancy i mean he points out how fancy it is but it does look like a university campus it's lovely uh, another great line here you're being very foul-mouthed foul-mouthed fuck you <laughs> I mean, so he is chatting with the police investigators here hmm. in bev hill and they are basically very suspicious of anyone who'd come from the likes of Detroit, Michigan to here in fancy Beverly Hills, yeah. Hollywood, California. And he immediately gets beaten and then been made to apologize to. And you get the sense that this police department is like, so is, is torn between wanting to be this like violent, fucked up, corrupt, racist police department, mm. but also this police department that really strictly adheres to the book and the rules and the bureaucracy and the chain of command. So it's kind of weird. It's like watching all seasons of The Wire distilled down into a crude approximation of the police. Yeah. Well, um, see, what we were talking about before, I get the sense that maybe this is the. Sort of original concept of this that you have an officer from Detroit where things are a bit looser and going to Beverly Hills where things are very by the book and very yeah. strict and firm and that's the opposition at play here that there's, there's two different worlds so the idea that Sylvester Stallone a, a cop in Detroit <laughs> comes down to Beverly Hills and then the cops beat him up and have to apologise <laughs> after I mean it's so weird I don't know if that was in the Sylvester Stallone script <laughs> but like, I you don't know, know. Like, if that's why I mean they, they, they pitch it like you can read it like that yeah. but like it's obviously meant to be a racial thing man. yeah but um, it is quite funny to have them come out and be like do, do you want to file charges against this officer for assault he, he he said sorry, but also did you, you recognise the lieutenant? Charges. No, should I? Yeah, it's a uh, Cohagen from Total Recall. Ah. Uh, you probably didn't recognise him because he wasn't withholding air. No, <laughs> no, I, I didn't recognise him straight away. And the last time you saw him, his face was very big. So yeah. and his eyes were massive. He just blends into like that kind of eighties actor who's in things I think is the whole time right I swear this is really bad I feel bad for the actor who plays him because I've seen him in a few like he's one of those actors who's just been kind of like you know Pretty, pretty much everything, right? Hmm. But like every time I see him, I just expect him to do something evil. It's like Ronnie Cox. But I, I remember seeing him. He's like the president in like some like Fantastic Four movie I watched. I'm like, he's going to be a baddie. And in this movie, because he's the lieutenant, and even though he's like, stop that police brutality. How can we help? I'm like, mm. he's going to be a baddie. <laughs> he's going to take Axel Foley's air. Because he's the bad guy. He's the bad man of the 80s, Sam. Uh, Axel's in trouble. He's been told off. But he's not pressing charges because where he's from, cops don't charge other cops with things. Come on, guys. This is what you're playing at. The only thing cops charge these days is their friends' phones. (laughs) (laughs) Jenny's here to to pick him up, which is nice. And she's like, oh, you used to drive that crappy blue Chevy Nova. What do you drive now? (laughs) 
that same crappy blue Chevy Nova. Uh, and, the, and the cops are, are following him. He's being tailed by the same cops from back at the police station, but they're just following him to see what he's up to. Uh, I start to think the Axel Foley theme is kind of like, it's the scheme theme, if you know what I mean. Because yeah. once that theme starts up, a scheme is afoot. This scheme is to send them room service. And then the old banana in the gas pipe ah, technique. Johnny Banana paying off now. It all, it all comes back. Hey, I learned this one from a little somebody called Johnny Banana, huh? <laughs> <laughs> An old mate of mine from my uh, selling cigarettes out of the back of a lorry days told me to think, putting bananas in the exhaust pipe. Yeah, he sent the room service down as a distraction. He'll later say that that was sincere room service, that he wanted them to have a nice meal. But it is just to distract them long enough that he can put bananas in the in the tailpipe, right? I mean, yeah, because he, he obviously wants them to eat the banana last and he didn't want them to have it straight away. So oftentimes I'll do that. Yeah, I'll kind of like tuck it away out of sight. Like, uh, ah, there's a dessert. It's a banana. <laughs> and so he drives off with Jenny again to kind of get away from the cops and they can't follow because their their car's full of bananas. It's a banana car. It's full of bananas. You can't go if you've got bananas in your car. I hazard to think like the amount of bananas that were put up innocent gas pipes during this sorry that one's very dirty uh, but uh, uh, <laughs> can you imagine there was a lot of a lot of that going on yeah I, I think this will uh, inspire some copycat criminals a weird subgenre of like fetishistic pornography like dragons having sex with castles or mm. dragons having like we've, we've I don't know if we talked about this podcast before about the dragons having sex with, with Cadillacs and that was a whole thing and they do it in the gas pipe I wonder if there is kind of like a salacious corner of the internet where there's these big Muscle-bound bananas fucking cars. I'm sorry. Dragons having sex with Cadillacs. Cadillacs. Is that a whole... I know that sounds like a 90s, you know, morning car. Cadillacs having sex with dragons. You know, it, it's not. It's an actual... It's a porn thing. Is that a, a subgenre of something? It is. It yeah. is. Okay. And you might realise this. They do it very tenderly. Yeah. Well, that's nice of the dragons. It and, is. I mean, sometimes with, like, fetishes and things, I think, oh, well, th- there's a kind of logical place where that's come from. With dragons having sex with a Cadillac... The I, can't, I can't put the pieces together, but I'm sure they, they come from somewhere, and that's fine. You know, whatever you're into, as long as no one's getting hurt. So they're heading to the warehouse now that they give them the old banana slipperoo. And I had an issue here, which is I noticed every time Jenny says Axel, I hear the word asshole. And I was quite worried about uh, that. She just casually like, come on, asshole. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> so while those two are sneaking around the, the warehouse and noticing there's some funny business going on, the two detectives from before who had the banana car, they're getting ribbed absolutely rotten by their fellow police officers oh there's some cruel jokes here being the banana I've boys. This, this this bullying uh, yeah. in the police before but this was this was disgusting that anti-banana disguise was very disrespectful it's that kind of like needlessly sophisticated bullying where they've like bought some glasses and put a funny banana nose on it to give to him to make it look like he's a banana man because they I mean, it takes a lot of effort this is the type of bullying that I hate Sam right mm. there's one thing making the, the banana thing being like hey look it's a banana like the featured piece in your latest downfall but the, what they say is they go oh look it's an anti-banana disguise oh yeah you'll need to wear this in case you see any banana like they're, they're giving it characteristics they're world building yes. it's really this could be a wikipedia entry on its own now <laughs> no don't do that you just need to give them the funny banana glass and go ah that's you mate that is you're a banana boy stop giving it character and backstory we don't need it oh and also when they're in the warehouse they snooped the dirty bonds that uh, yes and, and i don't mean george lazenby am i right <laughs> oh he, he was a 
was a dirty bond. So Axel's now sneaking into another warehouse, the proper warehouse, big warehouse, to sort of say, oh, I'm, I'm the security guy. I'm checking the security here. How did I sneak into this place if your security's so good? This guy was going to offer me a match. That's how dangerous yeah, this all is. Security shit. I'm going to have to check out everything in this place and find out all the stuff because I'm the security man. And with the exception of Cleveland, this is the worst security in the nation. I love this because it was very much like an episode of The Real Hustle, which you and I obviously mm. like to, to reference ad oh, nauseum he, he on this show. those briefcases, 100%. And he didn't even need a luminous jacket here. All he was was the very... The, I love the idea of the fla- the fast flash of a badge that mm. would just immediately like make someone's blood run cold, you yeah. know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it works even with some resistance from some of the office workers later on who are like, oh, what, are you sure you, have you got a warrant for this? Like, it, it gives them both barrels then. Uh, it's great here now. We get a scene with the two cops who are chasing him, yeah. uh, Taggart and Rosenthal. And they have some little, like, one or two little lines here that make them, like, go from being, like, curmudgeons or, like, you know, problems for Axel to overcome to being, like, genuinely lovable characters. Mm. When he's talking to him about, like, did you know that there's five pounds of undigested red meat in every adult male's body in the US? And he's like, why would you tell me that? It's like, oh, just, you know. You eat a lot of red meat. I mean, that's that. that I, I've been the guy who's who's talked about the red meat, and I've been the red meaty as well. So mm. I, I I I got a lot of Ron Swanson energy from Taggart in this. Yes, there's there's a, there's a great dynamic between those two, Taggart mm. and Billy. I, I'd like a spin off with those two boys. Yeah, honestly, yeah. I'd watch a TV show where they bust heads. And also, I take back like almost everything good I said about the mask, the uh, you know, in the the cops there because they're like lifted wholesale from these guys it felt like yeah yeah uh, and so axel's like he just like jumps into their car and is like hey let's all be friends and get along and have a good time that room service was for you we're all just having fun here we're all oh, i've also put three bananas in your gas pipe <laughs> dickheads hey why are we not getting on we should be you know solving crimes together having a good time don't be following me around come on let's be friends i found the perfect place for us to go for you guys it's gonna be great fun on the way here it's very conservative you guys will have a great time immediate cut to a strip club yeah there we go now i'm not gonna lie sam i was on board with eddie for most of the movie yeah and sure. I, I felt i felt I, I was on the eddie murphy express and he was the both the conductor and the man who checked my ticket and he mm-hmm. was very polite but i lost him here when he was in the strip club and the kind of stream of consciousness pattern that gave us the line your dick is supposed to be hard i'm not on duty i can be hard the boss can't be hard his dick has to be flaccid not hard like my dick my dick's hard why isn't your dick hard what what's going on here eddie where where what uh, yeah who i mean what <laughs> What? You don't have to be embarrassed that your dick is hard. Everyone's dick is hard. All, all dicks are hard. Every dick is Not hard. Not your dick, dick though. Uh, oh, look, his dick is hard. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, he's doing a great job of making these lads properly uncomfortable. I mean, Billy is... That's the commentary from the, the more confident but equally as nervous boy showing the less confident, equally as nervous boy pornography for the first time. My, my dick's really hard. Like, I've, I, I've, I've heard this patter before. <laughs> I've, it's familiar. Uh, they all do a police together, which yes, is fun. Yes, they do. It's, not, it's a nice bonding experience that somehow happens. The Axel spots some dodgy blokes walking into the strip club I mean, I guess that's all the people going into the strip club am I right but some like really criminal looking dudes going into they had into big criminal coats on them didn't they yeah and it's like hey why have they got a big long coat in nice hot Beverly Hills in this lovely toasty strip joint that we're in now what's going on here and so they work as a team to keep an eye on all these blokes and one of one of the criminal guys looks a lot like Will Forte which yeah. I th- <laughs> 
which was enjoyable for me. And the, the two cops, they, they managed to apprehend the dodgy blokes who were planning a robbery. They all worked as a team. We learned the lesson, Sam, that shotguns are no match for teamwork. And no. that is an important lesson to live. Now, one weird thing about the scene, though, was that before the actual, you know, freeze, or you know, they started yeah, actually yeah. You know, doing the police bit, the entire scene, Eddie Murphy was doing what could have best described as a low-level cocaine dance the entire time. Yeah, he was just bopping constantly like a fucking, like, I don't know, like a Newton's cradle. He couldn't help himself. I loved Eddie Bop into the strip club music. It was, it was a bit of fun. So after this debacle, when they, they've foiled a crime together as a team, it all goes back to Harvard University slash the... <laughs> The, the department station. of the police. Yeah. And Axel probably goes to bat for these two guys to so their boss. He's, he, he, he fabricates a little story about what happened. To it make makes it... them out to be heroes. And it's yeah. so nice because you feel like he doesn't have to do this at all. And he's much more pressing things. Mm. But I think he realises like his caper has really fucked over Chagas and Rosehip, who managed to fuck it all up with their bite of bookness. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, so Taggart's like, yeah, no, boss, that's not really what happened. Here's what really happened. But I think the boss, you can see in his face that he kind of enjoys the you know shaggy dog story that axel is 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 coming up with here he, Sorry, he's got shaggy dog story shaggy dog story what's that is that not a different phrase, movie isn't it? no <laughs> the shaggy dog i believe that's the with story Eddie Murphy about the shaggy, the, dog. The titular shaggy dog shaggy dog story let's shaggy find out what dog story where are you going oh i'm off to see a man about a shaggy dog a, a shaggy dog story is a long rambling story or joke typically one that is only amusing because of how absurdly inconsequential or pointless it is all right so i've not really used the phrase properly but just wait like wait a, wait wait does that mean we're a shaggy dog podcast i think so yeah yes yeah. oh baby long rambling inconsequential <laughs> ultimately futile in its point i like that a lot welcome That's to great. the shaggy dog podcast the boss really enjoys that little story that eddie came up with you can see that like flicker of respect for that level of hustle i mean that's that's a that's a hard flicker to detect you mm. know but the flicker is there i could see but- it i logged into my flicker account and i, <laughs> I, I saw that in there Seriously, fl- back up your Flickr accounts, guys, because we don't. You don't know what the landscape's going to be like. You know what the landscape's going to be like. I genuinely you know? think it's too late now. I can't remember, but I think Flickr might be dead. Oh man! You know what's really funny? The other day, Joe, the intern, said to me, "Do you realise I think I've never seen a picture of you from between the ages of like thirteen and twenty-one?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah. it's because Bebo went away. That's why." Oh, so they were all on there. And you'd have <laughs> no just, that was it. Yeah. That was the documentation, and now it's gone. So if you're like, I don't know, maybe some Russian dating site might have it in there you know but that's that's about it so there you go back up folks you know oh great great line here yeah why why would you do that why would you go and fuck up a perfectly good line <laughs> and so after that two new cops get put on axel's case and immediately he gets them with the same room service car gimmick they should have noticed the music sam if you trail yeah. someone and it starts with dun, dun, dun. you know what the problem is the amount of times people get in a car and they're like right we're going on our mission now and then the music starts going dun and they think oh cool music for us being on a mission no no that's the music to imply that an Eddie Murphy like character (laughs) is going to figuratively put the banana in the gas pipe of your life yeah and um, he's like slagging him off ripping him to pieces driving through red lights to throw him off Uh, that felt like a little bit too dangerous to be like a reliable technique I'd love to see another cut of this where he's like so long suckers (laughs) and there's like a gen car pile up and then his his broken body is put in handcuffs <laughs> credits roll and and then crazy frog comes off and he's like bing bing and you know he, he, he's on an invisible motorbike so he just yeah, yeah. Really, 
really get any of this. But yeah, it's a high risk gambit, and it's presented as like silly Jake. Oh, he's really showed those two dorky cops what he's up to. Now, I touched on earlier. There's a li- little bit of uh, a poorly aged stuff here. Ah, yeah. yes. So when so when Axel comes to, I think the like the golf club or the country club or something. It's to- a country club confrontation. Yeah, it's a classic country club confrontation. He's trying to get to speak to Victor. And, he, you know, it's, it's a posh restaurant. He wants to come in. And his approach here, and he's been doing this kind of, you know, he was a flower delivery man before. He was a security guy in the warehouse. He's done this kind of character work. He even did it to disarm the, the baddies in the strip club. He yeah. pretended to be like a drunkman. Exactly. But he puts on a very, it's like, silly camp voice. Oh, this was this was an awful carry-on, wasn't it? To try and ask for Victor because... He's he's called Ramon, and he's been in a relationship with Victor, and has an STD of some sort. And this was it. This was in the eighties. As soon as he started, I swear, like as soon as he started, I was yeah. like, "Don't fucking say AIDS. Don't say it. Oh, please, 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 please." And he doesn't. But it's like, I mean, the implication yeah, he is says there. something else. But then he's like, "You better hurry up before like body parts start falling off him." So like, you know what they were trying to imply there? Yeah. In amongst a climate of like gay panic, I mean, this is one of those things that I kind of knew Eddie Murphy stand up for being very bad about. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, hey, his ploy works, but oh boy, has it what, not? I mean, Eddie Murphy, the real life comedian. No, no, no. Ploy works. <laughs> <laughs> Because, <laughs> I mean, many would make the argument that that material was a, was a ploy of sorts. <laughs> that, that this, um, this character work here that Axel's doing does work, but I, I think it's worth touching on that, like, oh, Jesus, that's not, you know, that's not aged brilliantly and probably wasn't very you know fucking what? good I at the time. St- I Jesus. still remain somewhat amazed mm. in the movie's general decent standing because i feel like we give most of these 80s movies a good kick of the tires and then Mm. some and i feel given the context of this and there's so many like when you're telling the story like there's so many easy easy low-hanging fruit jokes of the time Mm. that they could have made and they don't no i mean this this is perhaps the most egregious thing in this film i would say they they found an easy target let's just say for for the 80s and they they ran with it and uh yeah it's it's probably the 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 most distasteful bit of the movie and and he he manages to get to victor mike from breaking bad gets thrown into some fruit salad so that's fun because we all wanted to see that in breaking bad though didn't we like Uh, you know (laughs) and that's the thing about like watching better call saul is that it's so sad to see mike go through this journey and you know that he's just going to get covered up in fruit salad a little bit like cream on his forehead or something covered in fruit salad i broke my boy (laughs) i broke my boy Uh, and axel's been (laughs) jesus (laughs) axel's been arrested again for this country club confrontation and cohagan's on his ass because of this oh but well they're all like listening to his story about maitland being a smuggler they're like hey okay we what's going on here why are you tailing this guy and he explains, and the the chief of police is very cross, who we've not seen before. The actual chief of police comes An down. An even bigger boss. Yeah, the the big boss of the police. With even more chewed ass. <laughs> He's got no ass. I don't know if you saw that brief shot of his of his butt, but it, there's nothing there. Nothing, it's just nothing got, there. He just got a long back. And a long history of having his ass chewed. 
Yeah, he does. And so they, they listen to his story and they're like, yeah, it may, maybe it's a smuggler. And there's this whole thing about coffee grounds being used oh, to disguise yeah. the smell of drugs. Very clever. But like, if you've not got any actual solid evidence that we can go with for legal re- we can't do anything. You're going to have to go back home, mate. Otherwise, you're going to get in trouble. So off you go. Clear off. Get out of town. Victor confronts Jenny. And this is one of these situations where you know the movie is not going to settle this business in the court's of law even though victor is a very respected businessman he will be a corpse by the end of the movie and that is the justice of the 1980s <laughs> in action movies the <laughs> <laughs> axel manages to convince uh, billy to help him blow this case wide open so they go to pick up jenny who's just had this chat with uh, with victor and they all want to go and sneak into the warehouse apart from billy who's he's staying behind to keep Keep an eye out. Billy Rosebud wants to to hang back. He reckons mm. if he goes inside, it's no good for him. And like I will say, for Beverly Hills Cop, it has I'd say a good thirty five percent of it is snooping around warehouses. Yes, and I would say that makes it very similar to my favorite media franchise of all time, Shenmue or Shenmue as it's also known. But the problem about Shenmue or Shenmue uh, is that the main character has no charisma. So if you happen to watch Beverly Hills Cop but you find that that's too charismatic a presentation and you want some warehouse snooping, that's the franchise for you. I just feel like if you get to recommend Lost and Skate, I get to recommend the thing. Okay. And it's pertinent here. So I worry that in that game they'd open a crate and just be like, oh, there's some nice coffee in here. That's great. And then they move on to something else. <laughs> literally, literally that. Or he wouldn't even say, he's going, what's this? And then that's right. it. You go to the next thing to pick up. But there's cocaine under that coffee. Whoa! Whoa! Coffee up top, drugs down low. It's a 1980s box. And as soon as they discover the cocaine, the baddies are like, hey, welcome to the party. And put guns to Eddie and Jenny's heads. They're in I like, trouble. I like the organisation. It's like, look, there's been an issue here. They found our drugs. Okay, escalate. How much top level of escalation like please if you could all the guys down there get them guns do you want to go yourself as well boss yeah i should probably make i should probably throw my head and make an appearance yeah because we are escalating to maximum escalation here so yeah i should probably be seen you know yeah i mean so victor's here now jenny's getting taken away axel's getting bopped and axel has got another sassy line which is don't worry about me we've got coffee and cocaine here we're gonna get wired and have a big party i mean (laughs) but what but what ways are they gonna that that could be any way sam now are they going to drink some coffee thereby getting wired and then Mm. have this cocaine and assumedly that's the party or are they going to do some cocaine and then have the most aggressive cup tasting you've ever goddamn seen because that seems like it would be a much different party look that they're both stimulants is what i'll say and did you know that that caffeine is a drug as well (laughs) and did you know that heroin's a drug (laughs) yeah no. So that mm, seem a bit silly now for drinking See, your heroin. Oh, with your heroin, yeah. yeah. Think about it. It's, it's an it is it's a drug. Mike Emmentrout admits to killing Mikey, then beats up Axel. And there's some of the faces that Billy is pulling while he's watching the baddies get away and all this stuff. He's, he's kind of uncertain, like it's kind of. I'm not you know, sure what to the, do. The, the face of Sam, it's the face mm. of a stone cold killer because uh, Rosefoot here comes in and he just pulls out his tiny little gun and he's just like freeze, motherfucker, and I then freeze forever because of rigor mortis because you're dead. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, after he finally goes in to, to rescue Axel. Axel gets punched and henchman in the face. Billy shoots a guy. Yeah. Like, a bit of blood over here. He's, this guy is so cold killer. He does some proper killing. He's just some proper cop work with his little spud gun that he's got. And they decide that they can't resist not doing illegal police work. So, you know, in for a penny, in for a pound. Yeah, they go to the big baddie house. And I like this trope so much that there's just like, here's the baddie and here's where he lives and that's his base. Mm. Yeah, like there's a, a compound with mm. men with machine guns in Beverly Hills. Well, this all really? felt a, a bit kind of Scarface-like that you've just got this big mansion with loads of henchmen around it and you're trying to get in. Well, I, I'm I very naive because like I know that Scarface is like based off of, you know, a lot of real-life crooks. Yeah. So I actually, Tiger King is a documentary yeah. that was on recently and the guy in it is the inspiration for Scarface. <laughs> He's he like, talked about hey, a lot I'm of, Scarface. <laughs> hey, I'm Scarface. I used, okay. to take, I used to take big bags full of money into the the bank as well so like i mean yeah I, I wonder is it naive of me to think like well oh yeah obviously in miami in the 80s there would have been drug lords in houses that had machine gun men but not in beverly hills oh, no. I th- yes i think in beverly hills as well there would have been really yeah probably i just i'd love the idea of this like someone having like one of your neighbors happens to have a private militia in the days and now of streaming you wouldn't get away with that like you'd be picked up no nah, well n- not now but uh, i'm sure there's been some crime in beverly hills kept yeah but base crime sam i'm talking about not base level crime crime no. that happens in bases big compact mansion compounds with henchmen and guns and stuff and reactor no, cores yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> taggart's arrived while they're trying to break in and he's like no we shouldn't be doing this and like, oh come on mate come oh, on let's shit do- here oh, it goes big gun here we go hey he's got his big shoe sure yay and i do- it's a lovely sunny day and they're and it's a great day for a bus look it- <laughs> As serious as it is, it, it would be kind of nice to play guns in the garden in a, in a lovely sum, sum, summer day, well, wouldn't it? Sam, when you played guns as a child, you never did it in the rain, did you? No, you'd be out in the sunshine, you'd be rolling around doing gun stuff. <laughs> it's lovely that it's like, I, I didn't even have to check that it was a standard thing, that one of the things and activities you played as a child was guns. No. <laughs> no, because it was for us as well. Except yeah. sometimes it'd be guns and lightsaber, because there was one lightsaber in the gun box. But uh, what I'm saying is that as much as this is a serious thing, it's quite fun that it takes place in, in a big, lovely garden that you get to play around in. Oh, yeah, no, it, it's nice. And it's, you know, I wouldn't mind well, You'd hate much... to have hay fever during this kind of bust, wouldn't you? Because that, yeah, would... that lawn does look freshly mowed, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of hunkering down there's a lot of chest high cover but that would be near some obviously you know trimmed lawn so that could be hay fever havoc right there Mm. i'm really sad at this point in the movie when Mm. they storm in the baddie's house i only recognize now that the baddie kind of looks like slightly evil phil collins (laughs) (laughs) he does and i mean he can see them coming in the air tonight because he's got a security camera system that can detect where they are and he sends people out to go and get them billy and taggart I mean, that, that dynamic duo, they're falling over each other, trying to climb over a wall. They're getting up on okay, each other's shoulders and falling down. It is very hard. Oh, give, re- give us someone I, a boost. I, yeah, I resent how easy Naughty Dog have made that seem to be, and it's not. It's or get, hard. getting over a fucking wall. Ooh, hang on a second, I'll press the fucking track. No, it's really hard. It is hard, No, to be fair. No, tell you what, just put your full weight on the palm of my hand. Yes, with your shoes. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, this is fine. <laughs> this this is represented by a simple Press of the button. <laughs> well, I happen to have the largest palms in the universe, Mr. Trent. 
but um, so it's all like there's a bit of slapstick of those two falling around and stuff and then it suddenly gets very serious as we have the big yeah. Scarface type shootout big shootout Billy does one shots a guy Billy <laughs> kills another guy yeah. Rosenhart dead eye right here killing fools he can shoot like nobody's business he's got notches on his belt you know yeah. that's what I'm saying <laughs> Sam is this shootout like I thought a little bit out of place in an otherwise quite kindly spirited movie yes it, it it does feel very sudden that it things are getting you know shooty level serious like we go we go from bananas and gas pipes to bullets and holes and hearts quite quickly don't we <laughs> well that's i mean the, the contrast is that you know those those two cops sticking around in the garden and then it's like uh, the, the serious blood and guts people are getting shot like it's all yeah. happening i know we've had some shooting act one room service act three memorial service you know <laughs> it takes a turn but i mean it is some good action stuff we do get uh, uh, some pretty good action sequences here. I was not expecting it. You know, I was not expecting this level of, of action. Like, I, I'd forgotten. I thought this movie was a lot more comedy forward. And I think maybe, I think in maybe Beverly Hills Cup 2 and 3, I think played with the comedy get a bit more. more. It was a bit more yeah. comedy forward that happened to have a little bit of action. Mm. Whereas this seems to be an action movie that has a little bit of comedy sprinkled yeah. throughout. Got quite a bit of comedy. But I mean, we, we can't forget that big lorry chase at the start where there's, you know, yeah. stuff crashing all over the place. So this, we're kind of coming back to that area now that big bombastic action stuff is happening now here's a problem i have with victor and his baddies yes he has got a very undiverse gun force his gun force is entirely machine guns mm. uh, you look at even just the three-man team that assault there you've got a shotgun you've got a handgun and you've got a little mini winnie shooty which is what rosenberg has that's the official that's the official name for for that particular firearm yeah so like generally speaking i would imagine you'd want to have at least one alternate type of gun in your group of gunsmen or at least leave one group of henchmen fallow for a year or something like that so you know just it felt like he he didn't know what he was doing here he deserved to be killed billy i i love the fact that he does this thing of holding up his badge and saying police you're all under arrest to a bunch of men with machine guns that are shooting at him and it doesn't work there is some game i'm trying to think what it is there is some game where there is like a you're under arrest button but like if someone's shooting at you I think it's this is the police too you can literally right. be like stop police and there's like 20 people with guns and you can you can try <laughs> you can give it a go and he's on the floor with Taggart talking about the end of Butch Cassidy uh, which I mean pff, I've got no idea but Axel properly shoots the fuck out of Mike from Breaking Bad he does the tone is shifting a lot here because that's a, that's a brutal death it's a brutal death and he kneel shoots him as well he's knelt down when he, and that's mm. the most fearsome handgun death there is yeah yeah, and that, but then he gets shot by Victor in the arm. It's crashing and smashing here now. Yeah, it's blood yeah. everywhere. It gets it gets quite gruesome here. Yeah, Victor's got Jenny hostage. And the, the thing he says when uh, Axel's pointing a gun at Victor, who's got Jenny hostage, like, oh, careful, old boy, you might hit me. The implication there is like, I know you want to shoot this bloody woman, but uh, <laughs> don't, don't hit me, an Englishman, old chap. I don't know. Guys, guys, a great English impersonation, by the way. <laughs> Thank you very much. That's, that's really good. That's what they all sound like. Uh, but the, the police lieutenant he busts in to save the day and they shoot the ever loving bejesus out of Victor yeah he gets proper and he does like a, a falling down the stairs covered in blood and bullet holes like he shot so much that later on when they tell the chief of police mm. we've shot respected businessmen turned criminal enterprise suspect Victor like yeah. I would imagine later on in the morgue when the boss opened you know, pulled back the sheet he went Jesus this many times <laughs> Jesus but we 
thought he was a respect. He didn't get the, we thought he was a respected businessman. I will only shoot him the once. That'll teach you. No, they shot him so much that the next bison wannabe will feel it. (laughs) 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 And so that lieutenant who previously was not, was kind of like doing that little flicker at the good story. He then has to come up with his own story about what happened to the chief of police. He's Uh... learnt from Foley. He's learnt from Foley and he's lying. And the chief is like, oh, is this what really happened? And Taggart's learnt to pretend and keep lying. Everyone's... The moral of the story is just lie. Yeah, right? Lies lies are great. And you know what's really lovely and encouraging about those lies sam is that Mm. it's almost like they're infectious because once he lies then other people around him are compelled to lie as well and i like that just seeing everyone naturally start to lie like that we're all comfortable lying everyone's happy lying we we just love lying i know actually sam i'm not comfortable lying Ah, it was a lie. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Um, so, I mean, we're kind of at the, at the sort of the end of the movie here, but who would have thought we could have fixed corruption with simple lies? Um, I mean, they ultimately killed the bad guy and everything was fine, but it's just the way they went about <laughs> it was probably not procedural. No, it, I mean, it was. I rarely is cold blood procedural. No, but. The, the bad guy died, and he was guilty, so it's fine. And the bad guy may have died, but the police department of Beverly Hills paid the tab at the hotel. So, yes. I mean, he didn't die in vain, Sam. Some very cute stuff here of uh, Billy and Taggart being sent along to make sure Axel leaves town. And he's like, oh, you guys came to see me? He's like, no, we've been told to make sure you leave. But hey, we're your mate. We're, you know, we're having a good time. We'll pay the tab on the hotel. And so when, when Axel hears that the police department's paying the tab, he's like, can I buy some of those robes as well? And then when he's give, he gives one to Billy, he tries to give one to Taggart. Taggart's like, no, you keep it as a souvenir. He's like, I've got three of them in my bag, mate. Uh, you know what? That's very relatable, the idea of stealing stuff from hotels. Y- you can't steal the dressing gowns now, I don't believe. No, that's, I mean, that's that's a risky move right there. They've cottoned onto it. I'll tell you what, there's a, there was a day I knew that I learned the lesson very, very early on in mm. life. Because I think it was like 2003 or four, one of the first times I was in a hotel by myself. Yeah. And I, I went to this hotel, it was very nice. Mm. And they laid out a robe and the robe said, please accept this robe with compliments. And I was like, wait, this robe with compliments? So all other robes ever were like, so I've always been been of the opinion that a robe has to give you its permission for you to take it. Right, yeah, yeah. It needs a note. (laughs) (laughs) I love he says to Billy that he loves him as well. Yeah, sweet. That's a nice, sweet story. And it's good to know that in 1984 that we learned the lesson that it was okay for men to tell other men that they loved them and it was all right. It's nice. They're all mates and they're like, hey, one drink's not going to kill us. Let's all have a nice drink together. I know somewhere nice. And it's like, and, and that's that's Taggart saying that. Well, look, guys, we do have a long drive ahead of us. Why don't we have some alcohol first before getting behind the wheel of a large automobile? And if the police pull us over, we'll just lie. Roll hey! credits, guys. End of the film. <laughs> Everything's all right. that, that stare at the end that Eddie gives is a yeah. little bit penetrating. A little bit, yes. Like, I I felt like I spit up a little bit because it just felt like it went right into me, you know, and it filled me up. It was fine, but just that brief freeze frame of it. it, Something about a brief freeze frame was fine in the 80s, now implies some sort of, like, terror or danger. (laughs) I was waiting for it to go... What do we know about Eddie Murphy? (laughs) Or something to that effect, yeah. Yeah. Well, Sam, there we go. We made it. Hills Cop in the books. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I love you. Uh, I just wonder what you thought of the, oh, the movie. And, uh, <laughs> what, what you thought were. I thought we had a lot of fun talking about Beverly Hills Cop. Mm. Like, when I was watching the movie, it's always a good sign when I'm watching a movie and I'm worried that I'm just having a very good time and it's not going to make for an interesting episode. Like, I took very few notes because I was just really enjoying myself watching this movie. I had the same thought, and uh, <laughs> I hope this, this doesn't come across, but I... I felt the same way about making notes, and I was like, I would have more fun watching this if I wasn't trying to, like, write down things that maybe I could call back and come up with funny stuff about. You'll see that I haven't really nailed that brief. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that was because this film is just, like, an an enjoyable good time. And that I really loved the whole buddy situation dynamic between Axel, Billy, and Taggart. That's a fun dynamic. It makes me want to show you like movies like Lethal Weapon and some of the more the the kind of the, the buddy cop yeah. fish out of water. Yeah, yeah. You know, the chief, the mayor, my ass. I mean, these are tropes that are. Tropes I want to see some more chewed asses. Is what I want to see. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, Sam. I really feel strongly about doing Cobra at some point yeah. because okay. like you having seen this and then like we watched Cobra and you see like that's what he did with the guts of this movie. <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see it. Oh, man. I mean, does this make you kind of go, all right, Eddie Murphy, I get it now. Or is this movie such a construction, such a, I won't say a puff piece, but it's such mm. a concerted effort to get Eddie Murphy over the eyes of the viewing public. Like, do you feel you even have a true sense from having watched Bev Hill Cop? I think I do. I think I've got, I've got a more rounded sense of who Eddie Murphy is because I, I had the, you know, nutty professor, clumps, donkey guy, and I had the controversial comedian guy and i didn't have anything in between yeah and you know barring some things in this i get a better picture of eddie murphy's range and his his whole brand right like what what he's all about yeah 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 i i get a better sense of that and it, it was really enjoyable and he is someone who is a good time to be in the presence of when you're watching a movie if you know what i'm saying yeah and i kind of feel like he's, he's a guy who you can try and draw lots of parallels with other people because I think like Adam Sandler, who similarly had like you know SNL mm. roots, had some edgyish stand up under his belt, a couple of feel good raunchy movies, and then he had like a load of family friendly shite, and then it was like yeah. finding a second life by pure attrition with some excellent Netflix movies. Yeah, but I feel Eddie Murphy's just like really, really, really not like. I mean, I he's not like a lot of his contemporaries from the eighties and nineties. He's not a Jim. He's not a Steve Martin or whatever. He, he, I feel like he's more of an enigma than most of the people that we've covered on this. Like John Travolta levels of enigma. Yeah, in some ways the path he took is quite familiar, but it goes in all sorts of different directions with Eddie Murphy. Like Mike Myers, I was thinking, has a, a similar-ish route. But Mike Myers, when you see Mike Myers get interviewed, and I think the interview is so fucking important. I went back and I actually watched a Colbert interview with him, with Eddie yeah. Murphy, for like the recent Dolomite movie that was very well received. Mm. I thought, well, this is him now. He's well received. It's in a very friendly atmosphere. And he was so fucking weird, Sam. He was like, Colbert said to him, what would you say to young, you know, 18-year-old Eddie Murphy standing out on the comedy circuit and he was like, wow, man, just great, great things and wow, what a great, what a great career. So he's just, he's like a fucking alien at space. I feel sorry for him, but I feel like I don't know enough about him to actually feel sorry for him. But this young, young dude, young, funny, charming, cool guy... I mean that I had a great time watching yeah, this. Yeah, I mean this this is this guy's an undeniable star here. I mean that yeah. that and that yeah, much yeah. sung through. It aged better than a lot of the other movies of this ilk that we have watched. Yes. And I didn't hear much of the way of a grumble from you. Is this like 
Is this a Not movie that's really. got any issues with you? I mean, how how are we thinking in terms of scorage? So it doesn't. Well, it has some issues, but not many issues. Jenny doesn't get to do that much, you know, and that's. Nah. There's things like that that uh, I don't want to excuse it and be like it's the eighties, but also it's the eighties. It, it's part of it. Like, it's, it's part, part of the viewing of experience. Unfortunately, I don't think this is one of the best films I've ever seen or anything like that. I just had a, I had a good time. I had would, fun. Would you want to watch, like, two and three? Yeah. I'd, I'd want to check out the dynamic between the, the trio of boys who I hope return. Because I've seen two, but I don't know if I... I don't think I've seen three. I'm pretty right. sure I've not. But I'm not sure, like... I don't Are know the well trajectory regarded? of the... That's the thing. I'm not sure the trajectory yeah. of these movies. I'm not sure if it's, like, a Rocky trajectory or if it's Godfather trajectory <laughs> or if it's something... Or if it's a Jaws trajectory. I'd be curious <laughs> to see you know where they take it and what happens and you know whether the tone changes to more out and out comedy yeah but I, I had a really fun time watching this there's no like massive things that are docking points from it but mm. just generally it's good you know it, it's good i had fun yeah eddie murphy's great there's some yep. other great performances Okay, so come on tell me then what's your what's your star wipe rating you use the word good a lot yeah i Mm. And you've been, you've been on a hot streak of some very, very well-received movies on this podcast. I have. And maybe that's what I'm worried That's what I'm worried about. I'm worried about just going for the same score time and time again. But you know what? I'm going to give Beverly Hills Cop four star wipes. You heard it here first. Hey, thank you for listening to another episode of Cinema Swirl. This episode was produced by Kevin. It was edited by me, Sam. And the music was also by me. If you want to support the show directly and get access to our monthly bonus show, Cinema Swill, patreon.com forward slash cinema swirl is the way to go. If you want to follow us on the socials, we're at cinema swirl on Twitter and facebook.com forward slash cinema swirl on Facebook. If you have any questions, queries, comments, or other stuff for the mailbag, then please send them on in to cinemaswirl at gmail.com. That's cinemaswirl at gmail.com. Please do keep recommending the show to friends or leaving reviews on whichever podcast thing you use. Hey, we're now on Spotify as well, if that's your preference. You can head over to Spotify and search for Cinema Swirl. All right, see you next time. Bye.